When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Seven o'clock last night. Yeah, about seven o'clock. Fixing my watch, my bull of a watch right now. So I'm in the living room. Danielle had just made a delicious chicken cutlet dinner. And we decided, with Bruce Springsteen here singing the classic Rosalita, we decided that we were going to listen together in the living room to this critically acclaimed and just terrific interview that Howard Stern did with Bruce Springsteen just a couple of days ago. Reason why that was a big deal beyond the obvious, which is you've got two real legends. I know two liberals. Move on. God, grow up. (laughs) Please. You're already. I'm already. already. We hate Stern. We hate Springsteen. I miss Bernie. Shut up. God, grow up. So you got two legends, uh, and it was an amazing interview. But it also marked the first time that Howard, but believe me when I tell you I can't stand his politics. I hate his guts. I just appreciate great talent, and he's the best ever. He he had not come to New York City in over two years. Since the COVID breakout, Howard has been holed up, holed up, in his palatial Hamptons estate and never came back to New York City. Never came back. Over two years. And Monday, Halloween Monday, marked the first time Howard was back in studio. And he came back to interview Bruce Springsteen. And if you like Bruce, and I don't care if you don't. I don't care. If you like Bruce, and I love him, Lou loves him, millions love him, Democrats, Republicans, Independents, they love Bruce. You're going to love this interview. And that specific song, Rosalita, Howard asked him. Do you remember where you were when you wrote that song? Because live in concert, and I've seen Bruce over 30 times, over 30, that song is awesome. 
and the crowd goes nuts. They sing it with him. Rosalita, come, you know, the whole thing. And um, he wrote that song when he was working at a surf, a, a place that built surfboards in a town just outside of Asbury Park, New Jersey. And he just, he went to the beach one day all by himself, and he took a notepad with him wherever he went, and he wrote, I believe that day he wrote Rosalita. He he did the same thing when he wrote Spirit of the Night and um, what's the one Manfred Mann made a big hit? For you. Blinded by the Blinded Light. Blinded by the yeah, Light, yeah. yeah. But the stories were great. How how David Bowie called him in to, to uh, do Growing Up when Bruce was basically a nobody. Uh, the Broadway show stuff. All the uh, great albums. And he actually started the conversation by saying, you know, when he lived in Rumson, New Jersey, which is a, a beautiful place, Rumson, for many years on Halloween, Monday, for example, him and Patty, they had these uh, these amazing decorations. You know, they had all the, uh, the Michael Myers and and uh, Jason and uh, Freddy Krueger, you know, all the, uh, all the horror movie characters. And thousands of people would come to their house. Like I do every year with Danielle and the kids. We still do it. We go to Bay Ridge, Brooklyn every year and drive around and look at the Christmas decorations every year. Well, according to Bruce, his house became the go-to spot every year for Halloween. And thousands would show up. And Howard was like, but, but wait a second. Didn't it get crazy like you know, Bruce Springs? He said it got crazy. He said, and unfortunately, after a couple of years, we had to stop doing it because people try to break in, you know, starting fights. <laughs> of yeah. course. Yeah. But he said, for years, we still did it. And thousands would show up in Rumson, New Jersey, to our front lawn to look at the uh, look at the stuff. And um, anyway, it was really great. So if you love Springsteen like a lot of us here do, I recommend you go back and listen. Not while I'm on the air, of course. While I'm on the air, you listen to me. But the good news is, like every other radio show... Everything is archived. You can go back and re-listen to a Monday morning interview at 7 p.m. on a Wednesday night. That's the beauty of modern technology. And it was great. Lou, you're going to love it. One, two, three, four. Yeah, I would probably. You know, another good book is, uh, remember uh, Clarence Clemens had another book. Yeah, I miss him. Clarence was great. Yeah. He was great. I mean, he told these stories about when they first got together. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's kind of it's interesting if you're into him. Two guys uh, died from that band, Clarence and um, the piano player too. He's gone. Um, Danny Federici, correct. But when you you know you still have Nils Lofgren, you still have Stevie Van Zandt, little Stevie, and uh, and uh, Clarence's nephew Clarence's is now nephew, the saxophone right. player. Right. And you've got Bruce. And um, well, listen, Bruce goes. Uh, Howard's like, I mean, could you ever imagine when you're a young kid in New Jersey at the beach and you're a nobody? Writing, you know, born to run on a notepad that you'd ever be this multi-millionaire. He sold his whole music uh, collection to to Sony or somebody recently for like four hundred million dollars, some some ridiculous number, you know. And he said, "Man, I'm at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and I'm sitting in between Bob Dylan and uh, he does a lot of that." Uh, and he, yeah, and he giggles over. a lot. He giggles a lot. <laughs> a lot. Yeah, to and my left. Tom uh, Petty, man. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, damn, I really did make it, you know, man. And it, I, don't know, I got chills. What do I know? I'm, a, I'm an old rock and roll guy myself. I mean, now that they took 92.3 off the air, Chris Olivero blew that one. It's got 1010 wins in FM. Who the hell wants to hear that? They took off my only alternative rock station, 
So now we're back to 104.3 with my guy, uh, Doc Reno, who I know from Miami very, very well. And, of course, my dear friend, the Hall of Famer, Jim Kerr, every morning. And um, it's nice, all good. You know? Nice guy. He's a super guy. Yeah, I know. Jim. I laugh, though, when they when they made these DJs, you know, they're DJs. I mean, Jimmy's maybe the best ever. But, you know, he gets to play like a nine-minute Led Zeppelin song, and then he comes back and talks for three seconds, you know. Thanks for playing Rosalita for me, Jimmy. Yeah, man. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Roy Orbison, me. <laughs> yeah. George Harrison. Oh, oh, that's who it was. George Harrison. He was sitting in between Harrison and Bob Dylan at the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But these DJs, you know, they play these, you know, long songs. And then they talk for a couple of minutes. You know, even even Shannon and Todd and all these other uh, people. They're, they're overrated. Please. Overrated. They're, they're DJs. The Dave Herman, the Scott Muni so, things. Oh, Carol Miller. They're, the whole WNEW They're thing. all nice. People. Of course. Carol Miller's a nice Hey, Elvis Duran, too. I mean, he's got great bits. He's funny. But he gets to play 19, you know, Bruno, Bruno Mars songs and... You know the real the real talent is right here, or basically. I, I mean, I play songs too, and I'll play a bit every now and then. But I'm basically talking for four hours. You know, uh, Howard even admitted when he started his career, he was a DJ like Don Imus. They were DJs. Imus was in California. I guess Don was in D.C. I don't know. And he said to Bruce, he said, "I loved playing your songs." He said because if I had a bad stomach or something, you know, I could play Jungle Land, I could play Rosalita, and I've got like eight minutes. Which is true. Those songs are very long songs. Here's, here's a good one from Jersey. Rather play this version. It goes t- 272 minutes, man. You can go back and forth. Hey, one, two, three. He did talk about talking about minutes. Uh, the hours, the hours that he spends on stage. Because during the Born in the USA tour, for example, which I saw, I think 12 shows then 12, he would come out eight o'clock at night, you know, and uh, 1:15 in the morning. By that point, the cocaine and the booze wore off. He's still singing Jersey Girl. I'm like, when is this thing going to be over? I'm on the turnpike at 2.30 in the morning. And Howard asked him, you know, was that because you had some type of anxiety? Was there an emotional thing going on that you had to spend time on stage that many hours? And he said, yeah. He goes, I talked to my shrink about it, Bruce. He's like, man, I was never worried about, you know, how I was going to start. He goes, I hated to finish. He never wanted to leave. He wanted to keep going. You know, and the rest of the band is like, hey, Bruce. <laughs> I need the bathroom, baby. <laughs> yeah. Stop, please. I'm begging you. So. <laughs> See, little Steven, I can't stand out much longer. Now. Let's go. <laughs> Come on. I got movies to do. And we did have little Steven on this show two weeks ago. So Stern may have had Bruce Springsteen, but we had Steven Van Zandt because we're big time, too. Anyway, check it out. It is uh, well worth it. And um, that's my Bruce Springsteen for the day. We're going to play a lot of Bruce today because the cops, even though we wrote that horrible song, and the song is horrible, and it is kind of anti-cop, mind you, just like Born in the USA is anti-USA. You know, one of the things about that interview that'll make, you know, the real staunch, oh, they won't listen anyway, some of these idiots that listen to this show and this station, the these staunch Republicans, right? they won't listen because he does mention, well, I sang at the Obama party at the White House I sang at the Clinton party at the White House, and that's going to turn people off. Didn't bother me. Actually, the Broadway show, the idea for that was born when Bruce went to perform 90 minutes of an acoustic show for the Obamas at the White House. But he does talk about these, uh, you know, liberal um, liberal presidents. You know, that, uh, that's his thing, and I hate it. And 41 Shots is a, first of all, it's a terrible song, and it's, it is anti-cop, but... 
It is what it is. What can I tell you, folks? Not everybody is perfect, you know? Not everybody is perfect. It is back to Blue Day here on WABC. Ramsey Mazda. That's my guy, Arthur, you know? And uh, Josh Jacobson and even Joey Messina over at Ramsey Jeep uh, became a good friend of mine. But Arthur specifically, in fact, God, it's got to be what, five years ago when um, Danielle, myself, little Ava at the time, and really little Gabriel at the time, went to the Bike for Autism event that Arthur puts on every year in New Jersey. Big New Jersey start to the show today. That's where Ramsey Subaru is in Ramsey, New Jersey. And what a wonderful event that was. Autism event that um, Arthur and Ramsey Mazda puts on every year. Oh, well, where's the, um, where the hell is it? Trump uh, called me. Donald Trump called me. Left me a message. Um, did you get the message from Trump? I wouldn't get a look right now. Probably. It's number 26. I, I should play this, I guess, a couple of times today. Uh, yes. You got Justin, that? Justin just told me yes. Yeah. yeah. yeah Donald Trump actually called the station yesterday, and I guess uh, the president didn't realize that I was off the air at that point, and he, he left a message. You may as well play that now. This is, uh, this is Trump. He's just not aware of your schedule yet? I guess. Now? I guess. He, listen, he's a very busy man, Donald Trump, and... While he uh, admittedly loves his program, (laughs) (laughs) this is what he said yesterday. You got to play it. My fellow Americans and my fellow New Yorkers, you know, I used to live in New York. It was a great state. And now it's not so great, but it's going to be great again. Believe me, it's going to happen. I want to tell you how much you are honored and privileged to have one of the greatest talk show hosts in the history of the world leading the airwaves in the morning in the great state of New York and across the United States. I have to say, Sid Rosenberg, he's a fantastic guy. He is highly respected and highly successful. He's great, really. I've known him for a long time. Sid Rosenberg, he's a great guy and one of the greatest legends of radio. When you think about it, he does a fantastic job. And uh, we know that uh, his partner, Bernie, you know, we're going to miss him a lot. And we pray for his family, and we're going to miss him a lot. Nobody's ever going to be able to fill his shoes. Bernie, what a fantastic guy. But Sid is doing a fantastic job, and the show is absolutely still taking off. It's doing a wonderful job because people like Sid and the people he works with, they back the blue. They love our wonderful men and women of law enforcement. They understand that they fight hard for us and protect us every single day. So, Sid, I wanted to tell you and everybody involved that you're doing a wonderful job, really a fantastic job, and to keep it up, your hard work is being recognized, and you have my complete and total endorsement. This much I tell you, I just have to say you're doing a wonderful job. The best is yet to come. Now, let's go save New York and make America great again. Thank you. God bless you. And God bless America. All right, there he is. Uh, President Trump, thank you for that. That was very nice and recognizing the fact that we are backing the blue here today at uh, 77 WABC. Yeah, very so, nice. Wasn't that great? Yeah, that was, yeah, that was touching. President Trump's the man. <laughs> Emotional. It was okay. beautiful, wasn't yeah, it? it so we got a big guest that's coming up for you today. We're going to start at 640 with my friend Lou Spagnola. He's a cop in Patterson, New Jersey. And he joined us last year on this day, and he made Bernie cry. That's how good he was. Lou Spagnola's not famous, but his sister is. She was once Dolores Spagnola. She's not Dolores. Catania. But Lewis and his father have run that Patterson Police Department for many, many years. Lou will join us at 640. 7.05, he'll kick it off, even though Lou's coming on before him. The great John Katz and Matides, this day 
him and Margo, what's their brainchild? 725, Bob Inunway. There you go. He is a Mr. Goya Foods. That was close, but not exactly right. Is that right, Bill? It's Bob Unanway. 740, the former NYPD commissioner, my friend Ray Kelly, will be here. 840, Bill O'Reilly. My God, what a show today. My God. 905, the head of the DEA here in New York, Paul DiGiacomo. And my friend Arthur from Ramsey Subaru and his lovely wife, Beth, coming up at 925. The number is always 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Keep it right here, folks. The number one Nielsen-rated news talk show in New York City, the self-proclaimed best talk show in America. That's me. I'm Sid, and I'm coming back right after this. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, does anybody think if we're doing it for the first time now in the 20th century, 21st century, going into the 20th <laughs> from the 20th century going into the second quarter of the 21st century, that we'd say 12 years is enough? Think 12 years is enough in the, going into 20, 30, 40, 50? I mean, come on. Is this from, like, Adam 12 or something? No, you're, you're more further up. Uh, police woman with um, no. that hot chick who Frank Sinatra used to love to no. bang. What's her name no, again? Angie, um, Angie Dickerson. Angie Dickerson. No. Yeah. Keep going. Um, I know it's a cop show. Right. <laughs> you're very good. I know that. Um, it's before NYPD Blue. Right. It's before Hill Street Blues. It's a, when I was a kid, this was on... Um, Adam 112? You just said that one. That was, oh. But it was called Adam 12. Oh, uh, whatever. What is this, then? What is this now? It's like It was like a group of special police that would show up. They were special police. Yeah, they were special. They would come when there was a... Uh... Starsky and Hutch. No. <laughs> a, a van would pull up and a lot a of... A van. Cops, SWAT, a... SWAT. There you go. You got it. Oh, there you have it. Bang. Yeah, SWAT. Yeah. Remember this song? That's very funny. Good job, Lewis. Very good job. You also played some of that Joe Biden abortion. Talking about abortions, Kathy Hochul. That was an abortion, that speech a couple days ago. So yesterday he was at the White House. Ah, yes, he was at the White House. And he's talking up Election Day and, you know, how Republicans are horrible. And January 6th is all about stealing democracy and all this stuff that uh, they're running on. And uh, some of them are going to win on. That's the bottom line. I did read something that alarmed me yesterday, and I'm hoping it's not true, that Kathy Hochul has widened her lead did you see that? Macedonia Phil, are you paying any attention to any of that? What is still... Kathy Hogel Wyden? Nah, that's perfect. So <laughs> Biden yesterday was talking about uh, <laughs> Paul Pelosi's attacker. and I don't know. I mean, <laughs> He's looking at NBA stats. I know. That's all he cares about. <laughs> By the way, the Knickerbocker is blown out. They blew a 23-point lead last night with my friends Ron Duguay and Sarah Palin in the audience. And both... Ronnie and Sarah will be live in studio with me and Andrew Giuliani. I'm bringing him back tomorrow, tomorrow morning. Uh, Kellyanne Conway is going to be here and a host of others. Play um, Biden here, Lewis, talking about um, the Pelosi attacker and the same words they used. This is something that um, I think Kamala Harris said a couple of days ago, too. They used the same words on January the 6th. Here's uh, the imbecile in charge, Joe Biden. 
It's hard to even say. After the assailant entered the home asking, where's Nancy? Right. Where's Nancy? Those are the very same words used by the mob when they stormed the United States mm, Capitol. Stop it. They said more than January that. January the 6th. Enough of this. Don't play it. Number four, I can't do the Paul Pelosi stuff anymore. It's a horrible thing. I condemned it. Donald Trump condemned it. I haven't heard one person, not one Republican, say good for him. So I'm not sure they're still talking about that. Uh, some crazy person broke in and beat the living daylights out of him. Number four here, he talks about how everybody should vote. That actually makes sense, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. You should be voting. This is Joe Biden, number four. I appeal to all Americans, regardless of party, to meet this moment of national and generational importance. We must vote, knowing what's at stake and not just the policy of the moment, mm-hmm. but institutions that have held us together as we sought a more perfect union are also at stake. <laughs> You're just waiting. Uh, yeah, You're just yeah. kind of waiting. For some uh, screw he's up. he's going to fall down or yeah. he's going to, where's Nancy? And it wouldn't be a Biden speech without mentioning my guy who called me, as you heard that message last segment, President Trump. So, of course, he mentions him here. This, Lewis, is Biden cut number six. He has abused his power and put the loyalty to himself before Lord of the Constitution. And he's made a big lie, an article of faith in the MAGA Republican Party. (laughs) And one more, of course, if you're a Republican at this point, in New York, you're what's called a data denier, according to Kathy Hochul, because the stats tell her murders are down, shootings are down, things are great. So you're a data denier, Lee Zeldin. And, of course... If you're a Republican anywhere in this country, you're an election denier because Donald Trump feels like he got robbed, and he did, back in 2020. Not just at the election sites where votes started showing up nine hours later, but even the Hunter Biden stuff, which social media and all these big tech companies made sure most Americans never saw. That goes into, quote-unquote, rigging an election. That's not an election denier. That is a realist, Joe Biden. But that's okay. You keep going with that. So we mentioned election deniers again in cut number nine. It's estimated that there are more than 300 election deniers on the ballot <laughs> all across America this year. We can't ignore the impact this is having on our country. It's damaging, it's corrosive, and it's destructive. Okay, what he said. So that's Joe Biden yesterday. That's his unity speech. I mean, he always talks about these speeches the in some type of, you know, unified terms. He's going to unify the country. And then he calls people like Sid Rosenberg and most of you guys listening out there and my late friend Bernie, election deniers, data deniers, hate this country. You know, I um, put up a tweet a couple of days ago where I asked people in New York to vote for Lee Zeldin, Thomas Sullivan, Cara Castronova, Mark Molinaro, um, oh no, all the Peter, uh, D. Esposito, the kid that Peter King likes, Nicole Maliotakis, all these folks, you know. And I can't tell you how many tweets I got. And, and for the most part, people on Twitter are lowlifes. I'm going to say that right now. Of all the social media sites that I use, and I use Instagram, Facebook, Truth Social, and Twitter, the biggest trolls and lowlifes are on Twitter. It's not even close. Not even close. But when I put out that tweet, I can't tell you how many responses I got that said this. 
I love this country. I could never vote Republican. <laughs> what? You love this country? You can't vote Republican? And why is that? Because we put Republicans, we put Americans first? Because we, we talk about crime? Crime and not abortion? Because we want to teach our kids about Vietnam and World War II and not about anal sex? What is it about Republicans you don't like, folks? Wake up, you liberals. Thank you for that. Hi, Justin. Hey, what's going on? What are you doing in here? Oh, you told me to come in? That's right. You're right about that. Remember that? Yeah. No, I don't actually. Do you know why you did that or no? I really don't know. What time is it? I missed you, I think. Oh. Oh, it's 6.32. So that could be your, like, subconscious saying, uh, here we go. Time to to get to me, Mm -hmm. you know, and... Right. And uh, Joe in traffic, and right. maybe maybe hit a couple of uh, the. You, you want to just host a show? No, well, no, no, no. no. <laughs> okay, no. Well, no. you're right. All those things have to happen, and they have to happen right now. Thank you, Justin. This is Sid on Sports. Oh my goodness! Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC Sports. Brought to you by my dear friend Pete Morgan. That's a fine man right there. Peerless Boilers, PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com. They do build America's best boilers. And with last night's busy sports docket, here's my guy, Justin Ellick. Well, thank you, Sydney. And yes, a busy sports docket indeed, but not much going on locally. All you had was the Knicks providing the only basketball in town. New York held a 23-point lead over the Atlanta Hawks at the Garden before Atlanta stormed all the way back to steal a 112-99 win on the road. DeJounte Murray, he played the hero for the Hawks, poured in a career-high 36 points. Then he made up for the time star point guard Trey Young missed in the second half due to a left eye contusion. Jalen Brunson led the Knicks side in scoring with his 20 points in 31 minutes on the floor. And New York will now try and uh, uh, bounce back, I guess you could say, after making the short trip to Philly to tip it off with the Sixers tomorrow night. And now off to the Diamond. Speaking of Philadelphia, there was not a lot of bedlam at the bank last night during Game 3 of the World Series between the Astros and Phillies. Oh, you're right. It was game four. How about that? Game four between the Astros and Phillies as Houston made history on the bump with the first combined no-hitter in postseason history. Starter Christian Javier teamed up with relievers Brian Abreu, Rob Leo Montero, and Ryan Presley to completely shut down a scorching hot Phillies lineup. Javier went the first six hitless innings, bringing up nine Phillies along the way, and his successors took it the distance as the Astros take the 5 to nothing victory and even up the series at two games a pop before game five tonight in Philadelphia. First pitch for game five is scheduled for 8.03 p.m. Eastern Time with Justin Verlander and Noah Syndergaard set to take the hill for their respective squads. And also, uh, in terms of local sports, looking ahead to tonight on the ice, the Isles are in St. Louis at 8 p.m. to face off of the Blues. The Rangers are set to host the Bruins at the Garden at 7.30. And the Devils have a 9 p.m. date in Edmonton with the Oilers. And, of course, Thursday Night Football means the start of Week 9 of the NFL season. You got the league's top dog in the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles making the trip to Houston in a mimic of this year's World Series matchup to kick it off with the Texans at 8.15 p.m. Eastern time, a full 12 minutes after World Series Game 5 begins. Philadelphia are 14-point favorites in that one. Here with your bottom-of-the-hour sports update, I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at info at GaboLaw.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident.
Tommy and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Springsteen telling New Jersey people, get out while we're young. (laughs) Born to Run, one of the greatest rock and roll songs ever. Today, folks, is the 29th annual Liturgy of the Blue Mass. As we celebrate officers on this station today, it is our annual Back to Blue event. Once again, thank you to my dear friend, Arthur, and the folks at Ramsey Mazda. The 29th annual Liturgy of the Blue Mass, the 21st anniversary of 9-11, honoring and in memory of of law enforcement personnel, Senior Correctional Police Officer Daniel Sinkavage, Port Authority Police Officer Anthony Varvaro, Middletown Police Detective Lieutenant Joseph Capriati, Patterson Police Lieutenant Frank Petrelli, a few more here, Detective James Perry, he is um, out of Bloomfield, Sergeant Roger Miller out of Clifton, Lieutenant Matthew Vogel, Hudson County, Lieutenant David Farmaza out of Perth Amboy, Sergeant Matthew Harlan out of Ocean County, he was a sheriff, Daniel Krupa, Captain uh, John Phelan, also out of Patterson, Robert McCormack, Dwayne Gibbs, and Captain Joseph Gertz out of Lakewood. And it all goes down today at the Branch Brook Park Roller Rink in Newark, New Jersey, 20 bucks per ticket. They do it every year. It's a big deal. And my friend Lou Spagnola is uh, the man that sent me this information. Lou, you know his sister very well, his sister Dolores Spagnola. She's now Dolores Catania, one of the stars on Real Housewives of New Jersey, but Lewis and his father, Larry, have been police officers in New Jersey forever. His father, Larry, chief of police in Patterson, and Lewis, a well-respected and beloved officer there, too. He was on with me and Bernie last year on this day. Actually made Bernie cry he was so good, and he's back this year. My friend, the great cop out of Patterson, New Jersey, Lou Spagnola. Lewis, good morning, pal. How are you? Hey, Sid, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. Did I do a good job at the uh, the Blue Mass? I think I got all those names in there, yes? Oh, yeah, you did. Uh, we're honoring, um, well, two guys from Patterson, uh, Lieutenant Frank Petrelli, who, who uh, developed leukemia as a result of his efforts uh, at Ground Zero, um, uh, Captain John Phelan, who, who was married uh, to my uh, academy uh, sister, uh, Deputy Chief Lourdes Phelan. We lost him as a result of uh, uh, a bad reaction to the COVID vaccine that he got only because he was, he was working. Um, uh, we lost him. And, uh, and this Saturday actually marks the two-year anniversary of my, my dear friend, uh, Detective uh, Tony Lacanto, who uh, we lost as a result of uh, mm. complications from Ground Zero. Wow. Yeah, that, that's why guys like Peter King, and even though I hate the guy with a passion, John Stewart, 
of making sure yeah. that people are getting compensated 100 years down the road for, for people like that, uh, Lewis, that we lost long after 9-11. That was not a one-day event. It turns out that's been a 21-year event uh, so far. Uh, Lewis, your family, I talked about your father, Larry, chief of police. You've been a cop. First of all, how long have you been a cop for? I'm in my, uh, my uh, I'm going to be in my 27th year in January. But, but see, before I say anything else, I want to thank uh, Bernie uh, for always backing us. Uh, it's there's 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 a void every morning, but you fill it with love. Thank you. Uh, and remembrance of him. Uh, you know you won't let his memory die. Uh, you're a good friend, and uh, but he was a staunch supporter of law enforcement. It didn't go unrecognized or unappreciated. And uh, before I go any further, I want to acknowledge him uh, and thank him on behalf of all the men and women of the Patterson Police Department. And thank his family uh, for uh, allowing him to to do what he did every day. So uh, thank so, you, uh, Burn. Thank you, brother. Thank you up there. Well, thank you for that. His family is actually at Disney World as we speak. But um, he did um, he did love the cops. He and I. He loved you, Lewis. He loved your sister, Dolores. And um, he was there right with me for all these events. And um, listen, there's a reason why we got that prestigious award last year from the cops, me and Bernard. You guys do appreciate it, and we appreciate that, and he certainly did. So I'm sure he's listening right now, and that was very, very sweet. Uh, you've been with the, the uh, force now for 27 years. Your father was chief of police in Patterson. How many years did he serve in New Jersey? Um, I think he was just shy of 40. He hit 39. Wow. Wow. And a lot of guys like Bernie Carrick, he wanted to become the police commissioner here in New York, and he lives in New Jersey. And I know he's friends with you guys, right, Bernie? Yeah, and his his son, Joseph, a stand-up guy just like his dad. Oh, that's right. He's a cop too, right, Joseph? Is Is he a cop in Patterson? No, in Newark, Newark. Oh, Newark, that's right, in Newark, that's right. So let me ask you this, Lou. You know, we've talked, you and I have had private conversations over the years, and you have voiced your anger over the years in how folks specifically, I have to point this out, liberals and Democrats want to defund the police, how they uh, disrespect Lewis, people like you and your brother, your brothers and sisters. Has that calmed down just a bit, or is it still the same out there in the streets? Um, well, well, without getting too political, I see a lot of politicians kind of retracting their, their stance uh, where they were maybe a year or two ago, um, but uh, but out, out in the streets, um, it's a very difficult time to be a police officer. Uh, we just had uh, two two North officers shot the other day, um, uh, which which you know what actually was, which leads me to to what I wanted to say. About, I wanted to touch on. Um, there's been a thousand times where I sat in that car and said, "What was I thinking? Why did I become a cop?" and I can tell you, I asked myself that last week. It's it's something that you constantly ask yourself. And I, I think the kids, uh, the men and women in the cars right now, uh, ask themselves that more than I ever did. Uh, uh, these kids have it hard that are going job to job. And if you, if you find yourself asking, why did I do this? I seen a video last night of the, of one of the Nork officers who were shot the other day and, and, uh, thank God both of them survived, but they it, it was they were they were hurt pretty bad. Uh, and there's an officer. If you could find the video, if you're ever asking yourself, why do I do this? Why did I pick this career? Find this video. You're going to see a Norfolk officer laying in the street, bleeding from his throat, and a woman, an older woman, 
pulls up, gets a rag out of her car, and puts it on his throat. But what's even more touching is now shots are being fired from somewhere. You can't tell from the video. She doesn't move. Wow. She doesn't move. Wow. And I said, my God, this that's why I did it. Mm-hmm. And you have to tell yourself, I do it for her. I do it for her family. And I do it for all the people like her out there, which outnumber the bad uh, 100 to 1. Oh, man, this is why you're on every year. Lewis, that's a, that's a beautiful story. Even though, again, the police officers got hurt and there was a shooting. Uh, the way you told it was, uh, was really, really nice. And look, I remember uh, it was not a very nice day, a little bit of snow, a little bit of wet rain, certainly cold, walking from my offices here on 3rd Avenue to St. Patrick's Cathedral to go to the funeral for one of the officers murdered in Harlem. It was Rivera, not Moya, Rivera. And uh, there you were with all of your uh, brothers and sisters from New Jersey, uh, blocks and blocks away. I mean, all you guys couldn't even get in that day. But for blocks, there were officers from Pennsylvania, from New Jersey, uh, even New York, who couldn't get into that building that day. And you stood there out in the cold and the snow for hours and hours to pay respect to the Rivera family. And I thought that, too, Lewis, was beautiful that day. Yeah. And, we, and we do that for each other. We do that so that, that when we see the love and the turnout at a funeral, we know that if something happens to us, that's what my family's going to get. And I know that my family will be taken care of. And, and those events just reinforces us, and it just kind of motivates us to go on, uh, to know that if, you know, if, if God forbid something happens to me, at least I know that my family will, have, will be adopted by uh, my brothers and sisters. And that means a lot. I mean, I'm sure Sandra is nervous almost every day. You've got three beautiful yeah. children, two great little boys, and a gorgeous little girl, by the way. And you show up with me every year on September 10th in Brooklyn at the Wall of Remembrance to pay respects to the Brooklyn cops and firefighters and Port Authority workers that perished on 9-11. You make your way out to Brooklyn every year. Uh, you're just that guy. You have really, Lewis, dedicated your life, and your dad did the same, but maybe you even more. You've really dedicated your whole life to being a police officer and um, have never looked back. I mean, are you thinking about retiring sometime soon, or where are you in your career? I'm definitely on uh, the downslope. We're definitely circling the airport. Yeah. The back yeah, nine. Absolutely. I so, think, uh, yeah. But, uh, but I'll tell you uh, um, I, the, the, the city of Patterson and, and this department has been nothing but an absolute blessing to me and my family. And uh, I'm very thankful that it, the job's been so good to me. And I've made such good friends and had great experiences and met the beautiful people of the community. That's probably one of my, my, my when I think about my favorite thing about being a cop was just meeting so many different people. Yeah. Well, I would, um, for some reason, my microphone doesn't sound the same here. It could be Lewis's phone. I don't know. But, uh, Lewis, listen, great job uh, this year. Great job last year. Every year you come on, you do a fantastic, fantastic job. You know how much I love you and your whole family. Stay safe out there, and thank you for being on this morning. We really appreciate it. Bernie says the same. Trust me. Hey, Steve, can I make one plug? Sure. It's, uh, my sister, Laura, is running for councilwoman in uh in Woodland Park, uh, her team, Marianne uh, Perro and Tracy Amato, they're running for council. Uh, if you live in West Patterson, uh, Woodland Park now, um, please consider voting for them. All right. You got it. That's exciting. I didn't even know that, Lewis. So congratulations yeah. to her, too. And thanks again, buddy. Stay safe. I love you. Thank you so much. Thank you for all the support you give us all year round. 
You got it, pal. There he is out of the Patterson, New Jersey Police Department. His father, again, Larry, was the police commissioner. His sister, Dolores, a big star on the Bravo Channel, but he's been a cop for 27 years, joined us last year and once again this year, and that is my friend Lou Spagnola. 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. So we're underway, Back to Blue, brought to you by Ramsey Mazda, even though my main man, my buddy, and the man that runs this station, Cats at Night, 5 o'clock weekdays, Cats Roundtable, 8 a.m. Sunday mornings. John Katz and Matidis set to join me in about 10 minutes and officially kick this day off. It's going to be a great day, folks. We love the cops out there. We love them. Stay with me, Sid, right here on a Thursday morning. The digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to digitaldollarreport.com. Please note, the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice. We're doing it live! Hey, Bill O'Reilly here, and you are listening to Bernie and Sid. God help you. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Graham and Farna, Blue Day, Blue Morning. Is that right, Lewis? Blue Morning. Yes! Blue, blue Morning. As we back the blue all day today on 77 WABC, thanks to my good friend Arthur and the fine folks at Ramsey Mazda. Huge show coming up. John Katzmatidis coming up next. Uh, two of the bigger guests on today's program include former police commissioner Ray Kelly. I really like him a lot. You know, Ray told me at the 100-year gala, he really did not listen to the show much. And then we did a um, an event together out on Long Island for Lee Zeldin, me, Ray, Donald Trump Jr., and Kimberly Guilfoyle. And he heard me speak there, and he said, you know, I got curious. I started tuning into your show, and according to him then, he loves this show. So Ray Kelly will join us at 740, and of course, Bill O'Reilly. Doesn't get bigger than that. Coming up at 840, three very exciting hours about to come your way. As once again, we back the blue, brought to you by Ramsey Mazda, a special Thursday edition of Sid and Friends. I'm not sure that's a name yet, but we'll go with that for now. Hour number two coming back right after this. Bernard McGurk. Unacceptable is throwing your beer can on the subway tracks. <laughs> Sid Rosenberg. I don't believe it's a three-man race. Bernie and Sid in the morning. On the Red Apple Podcast Network.
of this song, Bruce Springsteen and Patty Scalp are tougher than the rest is, is um, he's a guy with nothing. He's got nothing. Doesn't have the great looks, doesn't have the big muscles, doesn't have the fancy car, the great job, a lot of money, but he's there. He's there. And um, sometimes that's good enough, right, folks? Sometimes all that other stuff just kind of gets in the way. And that is tougher than the rest, which uh, Bruce does sing with his wife. We're waiting on uh, John Katzmatidis to join us this segment to officially kick off the Back to Blue. Brought to you by Ramsey Mazda, even though Lou Spagnola was great last segment. I do like the cover of today's New York Post. Hochul says, Buck doesn't stop here. Blames Kiara's murder on the system. This is the girl that was killed by her uh, boyfriend. A system that she runs. Isn't that interesting? I mean, she did the same thing with the judges. She just... She finds a way to blame others when she doesn't realize because she's really not that bright. I hate to say it. She's just not that bright. You start blaming the system, you're in charge of it. (laughs) You know, it's kind of like a coach who designs the offense blaming the offense. Well, you designed it. So Kathy Hochul needs to suffer. Although, again, I saw something yesterday that um, said her lead is widening over Lee Zeldin. I don't know why that would be the case. I mean, Zeldin's going to win on Tuesday, but anyway, that's, that's where we are with Kathy. We'll get back to all the news of the day. Joe Biden speaking at the White House. Kathy Hochul, Herschel Walker spoke yesterday with Brian Kilmeade on Fox and Friends. This New Hampshire race is becoming very interesting, and so is the race out in Arizona. I mean, if you had Kelly winning, that ain't over yet. Here comes Blake Masters. So keeping an eye on all these big races, Andrew Giuliani with me tomorrow. But joining me right now is the man. That's all I can say. Not just my owner and boss, but at this point, him and his beautiful wife, Margot, have become dear friends, me and Danielle. Does a great job every weekday afternoon at 5 o'clock, Cats at night, every Sunday morning, Cats Roundtable, 8 a.m. And, of course, he's the brainchild behind these great days like today, Back to Blue. This is my third year doing this with the Cats Matidis family. So here he is, my buddy John Cats Matidis. Good morning, John. Good morning, Sid. Good morning. And uh, it looks like it's going to be another beautiful fall morning today. And uh, I love those fall mornings. You know, the one thing, you know, I know you love heat. I know you love Florida. (laughs) But the one thing I love about uh, New York, uh, I love the four seasons. Yeah. I love the fall. I love the, the, uh, I, I love a little bit of snow at Christmas. You know, I love the spring when life comes back. And uh, the, the summers are not bad either. You know what's funny is, you know, I, I did like Florida, but I really don't like the, the oppressive heat. Like, John, for me, I like the fall, too. Like, today's going to be 68 degrees and sunny. I can wear a sport jacket, be comfortable. But, no, I don't like the, the, the hot, hot heat. 
And I also hate the freezing cold. I hate it. And I like snow, John. I like snow when I can sit at home and watch it fall outside, not when I'm traveling on the way to work. <laughs> you well, know what I'm saying? A little bit of snow doesn't hurt anybody. Yeah. You know, it's a little bit of snow. Yeah, uh, but I'll tell you, today's a special day. Uh, and uh, we respect our, our law enforcement. Uh, we have a, a, a event uh, today uh, that brings attention to respecting our men in blue. And uh, the highest-ranking uh, police officer from the NYPD will be there today, uh, 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 Corey, uh, and uh, uh, also the highest-ranking uh, Nassau County being represented today. I know uh, uh, Mr. Blakeman, who is chief of uh, uh, the uh, county executive will be coming yep. and bringing along uh, his uh, police chief, uh, Ray Kelly, I know you're having on today. Yep. Yep. Uh, and uh, Suffolk County is going to be represented. Yeah, I saw uh, that. High- I, I saw you have uh, Pat Ryder. He happens to be the commissioner in Nassau County. And Rodney yes. Harrison, he's the commissioner in Suffolk County. That's a great job, John, to get both commissioners, Ryder and Harrison, in our studios today. That's terrific. And also the high, you know, the highest ranking uh, person in law enforcement in Suffolk County is the sheriff, uh, Errol Tulin, yep. who's a very, very good person. Uh, and uh, the DA of Suffolk County, uh, Ray Tierney, will be here, too. Wow. Uh, <laughs> so we're getting all together. Uh, New York, NYPD, Suffolk County, Nassau County. And you know what we're saying? Respect our men in blue, and we have to keep our city together. Uh, and don't forget, Suffolk County and Nassau County is almost like the sixth and seventh borough. Yes, yes, so, no doubt. Yep. yep. Uh, so uh, we're working all together to keep our people safe. Uh, yep. And also, uh, uh, George uh, uh, Venizelos, who uh, is. Uh, he, uh, he, he works at Keeping Together, the Federal Law Enforcement Foundation. Uh, he's bringing in some people from uh, ATF. He's bringing in some people from Drug Enforcement because all these police officers all, all also work with the federal yes. uh, bureaus right. uh, to, to work together. And uh, one of the things that happens that they won't volunteer to tell you is if there's some really, really bad guys, and under the New York state law, they can't put them away. You know what they do? They bring in federal law enforcement, yep, yep. and we put them away under federal charges. But all this is not necessary. We have to change the bail laws and give power back to the judges to determine who's who's crazy and who's not. Yep. I mean, uh, Remember what, when uh, Commissioner Sewell was on my show, she said there's 3,000 repeat violent criminals in New York City. 3,000, that's all there is. If those 3,000 were at Rikers Island instead of the streets of New York, New York would be the same New York we always know. Uh, listen, there's only one way to do that, though, John. And by the way, uh, to her credit, Police Commissioner Sewell, who was great on your show, came out again yesterday and actually 
criticized Kathy Hochul publicly, something Mayor Eric Adams hasn't really done. She came out yesterday and and publicly criticized Kathy Hochul, which I thought was terrific because the truth is, if you want to get back to those days where criminals are on Rikers Island and not walking down 3rd Avenue, there's only one way to do it, John. It's very simple. You have to vote for Lee Zeldin come Tuesday. That's the bottom line. Well, it looks like that's the that's the solution. Uh, look, New Yorkers, I love New York. If we don't vote, vote the right way in November 8th, you know what happens? We're going to lose New York. Yep. Yep. I know. We're at, the, we're at the edge. I've never seen it. I've been in New York for 70 years. I hate to say 73. <laughs> we know what you mean. Uh, but I know you could, and you're on the Upper East and, and those areas all the time. We've had dinner out there with you, me and Danielle and you and Margo. And we look on the Upper West. And you're never worried about those neighborhoods. I mean, John, we're not talking about some of the quote-unquote bad neighborhoods. We're talking about Park Avenue, Upper East. In other words, it doesn't matter anymore. You could be in, you can be in Manhasset. You can be in Howard Beach. They're coming. They don't care anymore. There's some bad people out there, and the Albany legislators, the state senators, the state assembly people, they refuse to put these bad people away. And you, you remember the words they used: the people that are not just two two crimes, not three, not four. People with five, six, seven, eight crimes—they're yep. still in the streets. Violent crimes. Yep. You can't make it up. No. I mean, I it, it, growing up, you, we used to buy Bizarro comics, uh, <laughs> Superman Bizarro comics. Yeah, that's true. It's become a bizarro world. It has. No, you, you, you're right. You couldn't even write this. You couldn't make it up. I mean, there's a movie. It's called The Purge. They've done it about 10 times now. Purge 1, Purge 2, Purge 3. And what the movie's about, John, is basically one night a year, one night a year, criminals are allowed to commit any crime they want. And while most people lock their doors in the movie, they still fall victim. Now, again, it's fiction, but is it really? Because the purge, that movie, is starting to sound like New York and other major cities on a regular basis. And that's why I left. I mean, I did want a home, no question about it. I was tired of being in an apartment, and I wanted to live by the water. But believe me when I tell you, John, every day that Ava and Gabriel walked the streets, I was nervous. I really was. We took this lady to dinner last night, uh, me and Margo uh, and Chad, and uh, she wanted to walk to Penn Station. Oh. We wouldn't we oh. allow her. Oh, no, way. no way. We wouldn't allow her. She yep. doesn't realize what she's getting herself into. Yep. Oh, she says, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> no, we wouldn't allow her. Oh, you're right. I mean, it's just, yeah. yep. it, you know, it's just horrible. It really is. And that's why this day is so important, John. For me, this is the third year. Uh, that I'm doing this with you guys and Bernie, of course, here the last two years. But uh, it's a day that I do look forward to because you know how pro-police I am and Bernard was, too. And you guys are. And uh, so this is, this is to me, of all the events we do, and we do so many great events every year, which the audience really appreciates. To me, this one is right there at the very top because uh, if WABC shows our men and women in blue how much we love them, that's going to take to the streets. So this one, John... You should really take a bow. This is a great day. A great day. I tell all our listeners, you want to help New York. You want to help our country. Vote the right way this year because right now we're in deep doo-doo. And uh, unless, we, unless we protect our borders 
and, and this whole thing with uh, with oil, we're paying double the price of oil. There's going to be a shortage of diesel fuel. I, I, I mean, it's shortage upon shortage upon shortage. You know what the definition of shortage is? An excuse to charge you more. Wow, that's funny. That's true. That is true. And, of course, uh, if you had to pick one person, which I know is hard, John, because there's so many moving parts in the oil business, which you know more about than anybody else. But if you had to blame one person, I guess it starts with Biden. No or no? Joe Biden, uh, President Biden, is to blame for not allowing uh, oil to survive in North America, uh, having the SEC go after the banks that lend money to oil companies. Could you imagine having the SEC go after oil companies <laughs> for lending money? I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. Having the EPA go after oil companies so they can't expand. I mean, why would anybody invest money in the United States mm. uh, when, uh, when, when the government is your enemy? It's true. You can't. You just can't. I did want to ask you about the supermarket business on one quick uh, question here, John. Of course, you've got Glistides and D'Agostino's, Futon, a host of others. Uh, With inflation, obviously, it can't be easy. You have to pay more. The public has to pay more. But for a while there, uh, I was reading that your stores were having an issue with robberies, people coming in and just stealing stuff basically off the shelves. Is that still a major issue? Well, our store managers are a little bit tougher. They carry Rocky Colorado bats. <laughs> you know, I'm joking about that. Uh, remember Rocky Colorado. Uh, That's a good reference. Yes, and uh, uh, we did have a few problems. Uh, we hired a lot of retired uh, uh, NYPD people. Uh, we, uh, so our stores are monitored. So you know who they go and rob? They go and rob uh, the the people that they think are easy touches. Right, right, right. Like people with yarmulkes right. and stuff like that. I mean, unfortunately, the, but... the easy touches yeah. don't survive. Yeah. Uh, you know how many CVSs, how many Walgreens, how many Dwayne Reeds have closed because the chain operation where the main office is in Chicago. You know what they do? Oh. Crap, what do we do? What do we do? Right, right. Uh, close the store. Close the store. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you, those drugstores, John, there was a day I'd go in, I'd go shopping, I'd get my razors, I'd get my shaving cream, I'd get my shampoo. Now, every time I go to those stores, John, I'm there for 45 minutes because everything is under lock and key. I got to hit this button. Somebody's got to come. Sometimes I got to wait for 20 minutes. It's become impossible to shop in those stores. Everything's locked up. Everything's locked up. Uh, because it has to be. They, they, uh, they had a CVS downtown where they would only let one or two customers in at the same time. Wow. Uh, and wow. there was a security guard with a locked door in the front. <laughs> now, is that the New York we want? No. Is that the New York we want? No. Ladies and gentlemen out there, I beg you, I beg you, vote for law and order this Tuesday. I well said. You. Well said. It's no law. It's not law. There's no, no no longer Republican. There's no longer Democrat. There's no longer liberals. There's no longer conservatives. You know what it is? We're New Yorkers, and we want New York to survive. I, I agree, but unfortunately, the policies 
or Democrat policies. So we can say it's not about Republicans, it's not about Democrats, but it's not Republicans who are out there talking about cashless bail. So it does, unfortunately, become political because those are Democrat policies, John. That's the bottom line. Uh, but you're right. I'm very disappointed. I'm yeah. very, very disappointed of course, of course. in Governor Hochul. When she took office uh, about a year ago, nine months ago, uh, she looked like a tough Irish girl. She did. Yep. yep. She did. Yep. And by the and, way, uh, and, and John Peter uh, King loved her back then. He loved her. Yes. We went to the first breakfast one day before, one day before she was going to take office. Me, Al Gamato, and Peter King, and Father Alex took her to breakfast. Yep. And we, we were hopeful that she make a good governor. Yep. Now, I urge... I urge everybody to listen. I had, had Governor Cuomo on my show last night, and 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 the, and the uh, article, uh, not the article, the uh, interview is going viral. Go to wabc.com, listen to Governor Hochul's, uh, Gov- Governor Cuomo's interview from last night, my five o'clock show, and he tells about what's going on with crime in New York. Well, yeah, he was there before her. And, um, you know, it's kind of like Kyrie Irving apologizing today for the Jewish comments. I mean, he was there when they started this whole, you know, the whole bail thing, the whole cashless bail. So, you know, now, of course, when you're out of office, John, it becomes easier to be critical of somebody else. But to be fair, well, uh, let me, he, he was part of the problem. Else. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you something else. Go ahead. Who are the, who are the Democrats going to listen to, you or, uh, or one of their own? One of their own. Thank you. <laughs> You're exactly. I agree with you. That's why I'm actually good with Bill O'Reilly, John, going on Chris Cuomo's show every week. People are angry with Bill O'Reilly. I'm not because maybe while those Democrats are listening to Chris Cuomo, Bill O'Reilly will say something that'll make them change their mind. Does that make any sense? It makes sense. So there you have it. Yeah, hey, to be able to have communications is the most important thing. Agreed. Hey, great job today. Uh, great job yesterday on your show with Andrew. Great job uh, on my show this morning. Great job uh, with all these days. But this one really back the blues a big one, John. You and Margot. Look forward to seeing you at the press conference later on this morning. Thank you so much for kicking it off, buddy. Thank you so much. God bless. Thank you. God bless you. The, the great John Katsimatidis. And, of course, he's coming up at 5 o'clock. He does have tremendous guests on uh, Cats at Night. And then, of course, the Cats... Round table, 8 a.m. on Sunday mornings. But um, I did have to remind him that Andrew Cuomo was there before Kathy, and he was a dog, too. So, <laughs> here's what it is. We got a lot more to do on this show today, including former New York Police Commissioner Ray Kelly, Bill O'Reilly, Mr. DEA Paul DiGiacomo, and the man that um, really is sponsoring the whole day, Arthur, over at Ramsey Mazda. All that and more, and some more Springsteen. Back to blue. Brought to you by Ramsey Mazda. Bill O'Reilly here, and I'm warming up. Stand by for the O'Reilly Update Morning Edition. On this Thursday, the Conservative Media Research Center, usually methodical with facts, reports that 87% of network news coverage this election cycle has been negative to Republicans. Surprised? Not unless you just arrived from Honduras. 
But the blatant leftist bias demonstrated by most TV news operations is not what it used to be. Let me rephrase. The bias is worse than ever, but far fewer Americans are paying attention. Incredibly, the three cable news operations were all down in the ratings from a year ago, October to October. This despite the scorching midterm election cycle. The cable should be at record high viewership. The decline is because most news presentations on television are now boring, predictable, and lazy. The toughest question is often, what do you make of that? In general, television news at every level is tired. The presenters terrified of saying the wrong thing. With information pouring out of your cell phone, why sit and watch the drowsy factor? Few Americans under the age of 60 do. So yes, the corporate media is allied with the Democratic Party. But come November 8th, it will not matter. Back after this. That is the Morning O'Reilly Update. More analysis later on. Bernard McGurk. Bernard has been a friend of mine for so long. And Sid, you too. Sid Rosenberg. Not good, great. Bernie and Sid in the morning. I love you guys. I listen to you every morning and walk around the house laughing my butt off. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. is the CEO of Goya Foods. I like this guy a lot. I've met him a couple of times now. Goya does so much with this station. They're very close with John and Margot. Uh, they do about $1.5 billion in sales. And not that long ago, we had that great um, Hispanic Heritage Day. And uh, what's his name? Francisco. He's the chef. He comes in every year. This guy is just an amazing cook. And we have a great conversation on this show every year. Last year, Back to Blue, if I remember correctly, Bob received an award uh, on that day, appreciation from the police for being a great American and uh, a supporter of the Blue. So here he is, the CEO of Goya Foods, my friend Bob. Bob, good morning. How are you, pal? Good morning, Sid. And I, hey, I want to first of all send my condolences for Bernie, uh, you know, to his family, to you, to the WABC family also. Uh, I know it's a tremendous loss, and uh, we have him in our prayers, his family and everyone. Uh, yeah. We have him in our prayers and our hearts. Well, thank you. I, uh, I'm actually coming to you live right now from the Bernard McGurk studio, and I miss Bernie today, too, because you would come on, and he would F up your name about 15 times. In, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I would say, Bernie, just call him Bob. <laughs> <laughs> You did great. You did fantastic. I was, you know, I got it right the first time. Yeah, I studied it. I spent like three hours making sure I got Bob's name right because you deserve that respect in all seriousness. But uh, you get involved with us on a lot of occasions throughout the year, Bob. But uh, this one especially because I know you guys at Goya Foods, like like me and Bernard, God rest his soul, and John and Margot, you guys really take Back to Blue seriously. So tell the folks out there listening right now about the Goya Food connection with the police. Yes, you know, uh, of course, we've got it back to blue. And, and 
we're, we're finding, unfortunately, throughout this country, we're, we're not backing the blue wind. They do their job so heroically, and then these criminals are put back on the street. You know, the case with Kara Benefield, uh, 30 years old, who was beaten. Uh, she put that video out there, and then, fortunately, uh, within 24 hours of being released, the, the uh, her estranged husband being released, uh, he shot her in front of her children. And it's just, it's just terrible that they do the work so heroically, and then that you know they're put out back on the street to commit these crimes. But um, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. No. You know, it's so important the police when we need them. You know, they're there. Uh, Paul Pelosi. Uh, they called nine one one, and they were there within seconds. You know, and and when you need them, you want them. But this this whole thing of defunding. It just goes against uh, it's, it's anarchy. It creates chaos. You know, we want to be safe, and and we're we're heading away from that. I mean, listen, you know, Bob. Other- I, I grew up as a as a kid in Brooklyn, Jewish, uh, and I liked a lot of Democrat uh, presidents. I like Bill Clinton, for example. Um, and we keep trying to make this not about politics, right? It's not about Republicans. It's not about Democrats. It's about New Yorkers. It's about Americans. But it is about that because you're not hearing Republicans screaming deep on the police. You're not hearing Republicans, you know, talking about, uh, you know, uh, cops in bad ways. So even though it sounds nice to say that, the truth is it is completely political because take it from a kid that was a Brooklyn Democrat Jew, that party's gone nuts. And now with the election five days away, a lot of those same folks, Bob, that uh, for years have been saying deep on the police, now they're changing their tune because Election Day is in five days. So it's become very disappointing for a former Democrat to listen to some of those policies. I know you don't want to get political, but the facts are the facts. You know, we're vilifying the police. We're taking aim at them. You know, they're, they're, they sacrifice. They, they put their lives at risk, their, their families uh, at risk. And we're targeting them. We're, you know, we're creating all this animosity. You know, there's a... Cuban poet and, and uh, hero Jose Marti that said, "There's two paths we have to uh, that you can choose in life: to love and to build, or hate and destroy." And unfortunately, in this country, we're 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 moving more toward hate and destroy. But we have to love each other. I think it's a lot of times these small groups that are putting out all this uh, hatred, and we have to. You know, move closer to God, move, uh, love each other, respect each other. We have to respect the police because they're there so that we can, you know, there's order and there's safety. And we can live our lives without, you know, worrying about going to a a subway platform or, or, you know, just going anywhere. You know, uh, true. Actually, my friend uh, and yours, Bob, the former chief of police, talking about a big day here, back to blue Brought to you by Ramsey Monster. Joe Esposito just texted me this. Sid, I make sure I buy a Goya product every time I grocery shop. Well, how about that, Bob? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, you know, it, it's like you were saying, Sid, it's it's well, it's not Republican. It's not Democrat. Democrats. We want to live in a society where we can all get along. And it's, uh, you know, I, I, I was born in 1954. I've... I've uh, Growing up in, in an incredible uh, time 
where, you know, yes, there was racism uh, as, as we grew up, but we improved, we improved. And I just feel that lately it's, it's taken all this, these steps backwards. I'm Hispanic. I'm Irish. I've got, you know, we're all, you know, part of the same race, the human race. And we're, we're using race as a thing to, uh, to hate each other, to, you know, yeah. to, to, uh, and, and we, we have to, we, you know, we get, we have to move together. We, we, we're moving backwards. Yep. Uh, yep. We, we have to change. Um, no argument for me on all that, Bob. That's uh, well said. Bob Yanonway, of course, the CEO of Goya Foods. Hey, Bob, am I going to see you later on today at the press conference? Uh, I'd love to. I have to run up to Connecticut and, and uh, I have an event up there. And But I, I send you our, you know, our best wishes, our love for the, the police, love and respect for the men and women that, that uh, protect us, that uh, love us also, that are there working, you know, loving and building. Uh, God bless them, their sacrifice. And God bless us all. You know, we, we have to we're all brothers and sisters, and we need to uh, back the blue. We've got to back each other. Hey, Bob, you are a good, good man, a good soul. And uh, I know you're dear friends with John and Margo, but I love you too. Thank you for all you do for uh, for this city. Thank you for all you do for this station. Your company, Goya, is an amazing company. Again, doing about $1.5 billion now on an annual basis. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy, Bob. Thank you so much. Good luck in Connecticut. We'll talk again soon. Congratulations for all your success at WABC. And, Thank you. And again, we miss Bernie. Thank you. Yes, we do. Thank you. There he is. Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. impressive, huh, Ray Kelly? Longest-serving commissioner in the history of the New York City Police Department. First man to hold that post for two non-consecutive tenures, folks. Spent 45 years on the force, but was commissioner 92 to 94, and then again from 2002 till 2013. Handled the World Trade Center bombing in 1993 and uh, almost became an FBI director. I did an event this summer for Lee Zeldin at a guy named Steve Laudo's house on Long Island. Kimberly Guilfoyle, Donald Trump Jr., and uh, Ray was there, and he spoke, and he was just, he was just fabulous, and, and I love the guy. So here he is, former police commissioner, on this important day as we back the blue, brought to you once again by Ramsey Mazda, my friend Ray Kelly. Ray, good morning. How are you, pal? I'm fine, Sid. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's always uh, great to have you, too. Such um, such an important day, and you've seen it, Ray. You've seen what's happened working with the force 30, 40 years ago, how people now treat police on a daily basis, how police are talked about on a daily basis, politicians defunding the police, all that nonsense. It's got to break your heart, huh, Ray Kelly? Absolutely. It's so much more difficult these days to be a police officer when I was on the streets, let's say in the 1970s, uh, the violence directed at the police probably was a, was a little more then than it is now, but the disrespect, the, the jeopardy of losing their, their homes potentially if they, if they take action, uh, they don't have the, you know, defenses in place that the, 
that can protect them. So what's happening in New York and other other major police departments is that cops are just leaving. They just have had it. This is not what they signed up for. New York has had thousands of police officers retire in the last uh, two years, and it's very difficult to replace them. Uh, they, they tried to. They wanted to hire a class of 1,200 police officers. They got about 600. So if this continues, we're going to have a big trouble here in, uh, in New York. We right. need these cops. We need them uh, on the front lines. They, they do a great job. And uh, they they just are you know, voting with their feet, unfortunately, and leaving for uh, better climbs for them. They're leaving now, Ray, even before their pension kicks in. I mean, this is it's one thing to spend right. a couple of years and go, you know what? New York sucks. I'm going to Florida. These are guys, Ray, that have worked for decades. Their pension's about to kick in. They're like, I don't care. I'm getting out of here. That says a lot, no? Absolutely. Absolutely. What a statement. Uh, that is, we had at at uh, one time we had less than one percent turnover of cops who were not eligible for retirement yet. Now it's it's much higher than that. I don't know the exact number, but we were proud of that. We said any Fortune 500 company would love to have the low turnover rate that we have. Now it's a different story, and and you can understand it. Uh, other departments are recruiting them; they're paying them more money. Uh, the, the the environment is much more friendly uh, to police officers. So we're going to have to do something to either more money or some sort of incentive to get police officers not only to sign on and become police officers, but to remain in in the department. And um, we, we we need help in that area. Be nice uh, too, Ray. The federal government, right? It'd be nice too. Well, federal government, yes, but even here in New York, it'd be nice, Ray Kelly. If we had a governor, for example, and Cuomo did the same thing. I'm not letting Cuomo off the hook. I'm just not. If we had a governor who wasn't okay with releasing cop killers, like Kathy Hochul is doing right now. I know Bob Martin wrote about this. Both told me about it, too. But she's releasing cop killers. I, I feel like if Lee Zeldin wins on Tuesday, Ray Kelly, he would never do something like that. But what do you feel? Yeah. Well, I think he's a, a very decent guy, and this is the time that uh, we need somebody like him uh, more than ever. This is the, you know, the word that everybody uses these days is inflection. This is an inflection point, but it is. It is. This is going to be very, very um, important as to the direction of the city. Yes, we have Eric Adams as the mayor, but the governor can control lots of things, and. Obviously, Kathy Hochul has not shown any indication <laughs> no, to be doing, no. doing that. You're being nice, uh, all right. You, <laughs> I heard what you said. You had such energy when you when you talked to, about her and when you talk about Lee Zeldin. So, uh, yeah, we need him. We and, need him uh, badly. I'm not, I'm not yeah. somebody that does too many uh, political events, but I, I, I really back Lee Zeldin uh, you know, as much as I possibly can because uh, we're in trouble. Yeah, you were great that night. Yep, you you were uh, terrific that night at Lado's house uh, for Lee Zeldin's event, and Lee appreciates you. I mean, listen, Ray, uh, not to blow smoke your way, but you are the the man. I mean, the police commissioner, not once but twice in 45 years on the force, and you tell it the way it is. I mean, look, I'm trying, I'm trying to fix my relationship with the mayor. 
I'm not saying it's going to happen. It may not happen because I really disagree with him on just about everything. And when you look at some of the policies, Ray Kelly, that you put into place, that Woody Giuliani put into place, I'm talking about broken windows. I'm talking about stop and frisk. All those things worked. They all worked. And yet Mayor Eric Adams uh, says, oh, those are racist tactics. Let's go back to the days of David Dinkins. Is he nuts? The days of David Dinkins were brutal days in this city. (laughs) <laughs> well, I did work for David Dickens for, for a period of time. He's a very decent guy. But uh, you're right. The mayor, uh, for whatever reason, will not go back and look at the things that worked for the department just a few years ago. Uh, as has been said, New York was the safest big city in America. And we were very proud of that. We would say it all over the place. Now, of course, that's been totally reversed. And you can feel it. You can feel it on the street. It just feels less safe. And you made a very astute comment uh, before in your show that crime is all over the city. Now, shootings usually happen in the poorer areas of the city. They're down, and that's a good thing. Uh, And murders are down. That's a good thing. But the other crimes, virtually every other crime is up 30 percent, 40 percent. And it's happening throughout the city. It's happening on the Upper East Side, probably uh, the precinct up there is the wealthiest square mile in, in the world. It's happening in Midtown, where tourists go. It's, I live in Lower Manhattan. It's happening down here. So it is it, it is a sort of equal opportunity uh, <laughs> wave of crime. It really is. Hitting, uh, uh, hitting all of it. I'm glad you heard that, and uh, it does prove the point, because I've been saying all morning long, Ray Kelly loves this show when he listens, and now he's quoting what I said to John Katsimatidis 45 minutes ago, so you know I wasn't lying. But I had a young guy <laughs> on, and <laughs> young, now he's been in the, in the force for 27 years in the 6 o'clock hour, Ray, out of Patterson, New Jersey, Lou Spagnola. His father, Larry, was the chief of police in uh, in Patterson for for a long time, and you know, he talked about those two shot, uh, cops getting shot in Newark a couple of days ago. And he told this story about how a lady, a civilian, ran into the street and took like a towel or, or a piece of her clothing and actually put it on the open wound of the officer's neck. And it was such a heartwarming story because all we hear basically is all the people that hate the police. But the truth is, Ray Kelly, there is still a healthy amount of us like that lady, like me, like you, who love the police. And we do see that occasionally here in New York City, yes? Yes, yes. And I heard an interview. It was a great interview. And Thank you. And described it uh, very well. I, uh, I had not been aware of that, but that, that's a story to, to get out there uh, because, uh, yes, there's, there's just a lot of people who don't like the police, and now it's an opportunity they, they can show that. So you've got to get the other side of that picture out there. Um, people who, in these neighborhoods, Poor neighborhoods, they need the police as never before. And uh, they, you know, they're being, uh, they're being let down by the fact that a lot of these programs and, and tactics that worked in the past simply are not being used. And, and therefore, they're experiencing more crime in these, in these areas than, uh, than they certainly have had in the recent past. And you would agree, Ray, that these uh, small crimes, as they call them, which I'm not sure what a small crime is. To me, a crime is a crime. I'm I'm not comparing stealing a pencil to murder. I get it. But uh, these small crimes that they allow to go on in this city unpunished, that is the beginning. That is the incentive package for the criminal to, you know, to, to, to graduate to the next crime. It's like the guy that smokes marijuana. Eventually, he may try cocaine, right? It's the same type of thing. 
Absolutely. I mean, if somebody's been arrested 20 times, 30 times, how many crimes have they committed beyond that? And you said before, you're talking about everything locked up in the, in, in drugstores. Yeah, what a, what a pain that is. But it's an indication of the problems they have with these so-called petty crimes, petty larceny. You can't go in any store now without having it to ask someone to open up a, a, a case for you. And, you know, finding a person to do that is no easy task these days. So it's just one more indication of what's going on here. These are these are petty larceny crimes, but it's up to $1,000. So it can be significant amount of, of uh, property taken out of these, these places. And uh, that's another thing I think that has to be addressed by district attorneys. Now you have Alvin Bragg and everybody beats up on him, but he deserves to be beaten up. Uh, you know, he has declared himself to be the arbiter of what laws are going to be enforced and what aren't going to be enforced. I mean, he has made uh, riding in the subway free, in, at least in New York. Because <laughs> they're going to not going to prosecute anybody. And same for, with the police officers. I don't know if you saw maybe a month or so ago, a police officer was struggling with uh, an individual. It was a fight that lasted, uh, you know, for, for a good minute anyway on the film. Uh, that individual that the officer was fighting with was not charged with resisting arrest. That's right. Because that's the policy yep. of the district attorney in, uh, in New York County. So, uh, you're up against a lot of cops these days, but uh, you know, John Kesmatidis is terrific. This is, uh, you know, this is his day for, for the cops. He's been so supportive. And uh, boy, what, a, what a godsend he is to New York. I couldn't agree more. And uh, this is his brainchild, him and Marco, Back to Blue, brought to you by Ramsey Mazda. And I speak on behalf of everybody in New York, Ray Kelly. I know we throw these words around a lot, hero and great and all that. I do that. I'm guilty of that. But you really are great. You really are a hero. And uh, you serve this city with elegance, with class, and with toughness. And you can only pray to God that uh, whether it's Sewell or who comes next, they have at least some of the qualities that you brought to the force for 45 years. So thank you for coming on this morning. Thank you for your service to New York. Thank you for listening. I'm a big fan, Ray Kelly. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks so much, Sid. You got it, pal. Take care. Take care. There he is, former commissioner, Ray Kelly. That's a good man right there. That is New York at its very, very best. Still lots more to do, including Bill O'Reilly next hour. And yes, I got a message from President Trump. Keep it right here. Eight o'clock hours next. <laughs> On the Red Apple Podcast Network.
as we start our number three of the number one Nielsen rated news talk show in New York City. I'm Sid Rosenberg with you till 10 o'clock. Then Brian Kilmeade comes your way. That was a great 7 o'clock hour. John Katzmatidis was terrific. So was Bobby Yu out of Goya. I do want to mention, talking about Goya, this is important. Goya Cares. That's an initiative started by Bob Yunanway to bring awareness to child and human trafficking in the United States and globally. Goya Cares relies heavily on law enforcement agencies to help bring children back home to their families. Goya just added a QR code to all of their canned beans that gives more information on Goya Cares and allows people that might be in desperate situations to get help. For more information, visit GoyaCares.com. So Bobby got caught up in the politics, which uh, that was my fault. I did the same thing to John and uh, and uh, didn't even mention Goya Cares. I do want to mention that. And uh, Jimmy Haskell, uh, the Haskell family, Timmy, Kenny, all those folks who, of course, I love. Peter King loves. New York loves. Also a major part of our 9-11 uh, services every year. Frank Siddle loves them, too. Haskell family listening right now as we back the blue, brought to you by Ramsey Mazda. That song, Badlands, uh, Lewis, I started the show by saying today that I sat down with Danielle for like two hours last night and listened to the Howard Stern-Bruce Springsteen interview because I love both those guys. I don't care about their politics. They're both um, idiots. They're stupid. They just are. But uh, they're brilliant performers, both. <laughs> Don't feel like you have to defend your Well, no, they, 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 I, I do because, okay. unfortunately, 90, not, maybe not unfortunately, but the fact is 99.99% of our audience are conservatives. Uh, some of those are psychos, and they won't listen to Bruce or listen to Howard. That's fine. Uh, that's not me. I, I'm on their side. I'm a Republican. I get called a lib on Twitter every day. It's ridiculous. Uh, ask all these Republican candidates who they call first. Me. Me. Okay, but I just don't live my life that way. I still love Howard and Springsteen and De Niro and all these people. And that was not a good interview Howard did. It was a tremendous interview. It was amazing. Amazing. And he talked about how he'll do songs during his five-hour show. And if it doesn't go the way he wants it to, it haunts him all night. He'll go back to the hotel and the other guys are going to bed. Clarence is going to bed and Stevie's going to bed. And he's sitting there trying to figure out how to make it better the next night. He mentioned Badlands, you know. He said, yeah, man. If I mess up that song, I, I, I can't sleep. I gotta, I gotta write it down in my notebook, man. And and uh, and how it's like you tell the rest of the band. He's like, no, man, no, no, no. They did a great job. It's on me. But the stories were just. Uh, I, I called Steven's room one night, and and he said, "Why are you calling me? Don't call me, Bruce. We're going to do another show tomorrow. It'll we just fine. did five hours. <laughs> I just saw you. Why how, are you calling? How was uh, Clarence Clemens' book? Uh, it was, it's good. It was good? Yeah, he's just relating his time, you know, since they were, since they met yeah. in the 70s and stuff. It was, um, some of the things, he calls it tall tales and uh, stories from the road. And, but his perspective is great because he, he relates how, you know, you could be in another city and everybody goes their own ways. Yeah, we're, I'm going to go visit, you know, wherever they are in yeah. Sweden. Yeah. And they're all over the place. And... All Bruce's staff is enormous, and he has one guy. There's road manager. Mm. Is is his job? It was to make sure they're all in that tunnel by seven forty-five on the plane on the way to the next. Con- well, but before the show. Oh, the show. There's a show tunnel, right? So right, he's right. Kind of, he, before he comes out, they're all in rooms. So wherever their dressing rooms That's are, funny. he would say. Everybody, you know, it's his job. He's calling like you, you get, you're here, right? You're uh-huh. in the room. Are you? That's funny. They all had dressing rooms. They all had, and that was Bruce's edict. Like you make sure they're all ready. So we're going. 
and no, to go. Yeah. no excuses. And then Clarence had a staff of his own. I'm sure. He had, like, masseuses and uh, these, uh, you know, incense people and all. He Sounds like, like I'm a... Yeah. Uh, bro, make like sure a, you bring that yeah, card. Just, if that treble's not in my room, I'm not staying here. Right? <laughs> what? what? Right. Clarence's nephew is now the saxophone player in the band. Hey, and, um, yeah, he's good. They're going back on the road in uh, January. They start rehearsals in December. And we always say the same thing. Is this the last one? Howard did ask him, you know, Bruce is 73 years old. 73, he's still out there three, four hours. And now he's got hearing aids. He's got hearing aids. He's like, he's like you got no big deal. He's like, I'm never going to retire, man. He goes, I did a, a, a concert at the White House or somewhere, I forget, but some uh, lib uh, president. And he mentioned some musician who was 92 years old. And he's like, yeah, man, our guy's 92. He's out there playing, man. I'm only 73. I can, I'm in good shape, man. I ain't quitting yet. Oh, he's just going to die right on the he's stage. He's right there, right in the middle of Rosalina. Middle of drop just, dead. That's going to be the end of that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even President Trump likes Bruce Springsteen. He wouldn't admit it, but I know that he does. And the uh, President Trump did leave a message here for me yesterday, which is very, very nice. You know, Trump and I know each other a long time. I'm going to say, even though he, he was on with me and Bernie, and he said, you know, I know you said I know Bernie longer. I don't think that's correct. I think I know Trump as long as Bernie does because when I started doing sports way back when, Trump would come on my show and talk sports. We spent a lot of time in Vegas together, not together, and I wasn't with him. But for the Tyson fights, he would come on my rinky-dink sports shows down in Miami, Trump. And then um, this whole thing happened, you know, and he became president. And then I didn't vote for him, and I told him that. And when Bernie got him on and we interviewed the president— he kept coming back to the fact that he was able to change me. He loved that. The fact that Sid voted for Hillary, now he loves me. And I do love him. I don't want to hear about Ron DeSantis. I've been over this already. Give me Trump in 2024. Makes my wife mad. Makes other people mad. I don't care. Give me Trump. So he knows that. He appreciates it. And he placed a call to the station yesterday, the president. I don't know why he would do that. And, well, he doesn't have my number, I guess. His son does. Junior does. I text back and forth to Junior all the time. Yeah, yes. Why would he have your number? Well, I don't know. Maybe you call him. <laughs> I don't know. But he did call the station, and uh, he wanted to say something nice about Bernie, too, and back the blues. So you have that, um, you have that message, Lewis? Uh, yeah, I'm sifting through. Oh, yeah, here. Let's see. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mayor. Okay, now I got Trump. Yeah, I found yeah, it. Yeah, play, play President Trump. My fellow Americans and my fellow New Yorkers. You know, I used to live in New York. It was a great state. And now it's not so great, but it's going to be great again. Believe me, it's going to happen. I want to tell you how much you are honored and privileged to have one of the greatest talk show hosts in the history of the world leading the airwaves in the morning in the great state of New York and across the United States. I have to say, Sid Rosenberg, he's a fantastic guy. He is highly respected and highly successful. He's great, really. I've known him for a long time, Sid Rosenberg. He's a great guy and one of the greatest legends of radio. When you think about it, he does a fantastic job. And uh, we know that uh, his partner, Bernie, you know, we're going to miss him a lot. And we pray for his family. And we're going to miss him a lot. Nobody's ever going to be able to fill his shoes. Bernie, what a fantastic guy. But Sid is doing a fantastic job. And the show is absolutely still taking off. It's doing a wonderful job because... People like Sid and the people he works with, they back the blue. They love our wonderful men and women of law enforcement. They understand that they fight hard for us and protect us every single day. 
So, Sid, I wanted to tell you and everybody involved that you're doing a wonderful job, really a fantastic job. And to keep it up, your hard work is being recognized, and you have my complete and total endorsement. This much I tell you, I just have to say you're doing a wonderful job. The best is yet to come. Now, let's go save New York and make America great again. Thank you. God bless you. And God bless America. No, no, thank you, President Trump. That was very, very sweet. Wasn't that? <laughs> wasn't that nice? Jeez. He's the greatest. Yeah, that's Sid great. Rosenberg's the greatest. <laughs> of course, I'm going to vote for President Trump. Did you hear what he just said about me? You nuts? Vote from uh, five times if I could. I don't know. Of course, he's got like ten, ten of your books. <laughs> he's got that book. We buy it right now. Uh, that's pretty good, too, though. That's not a bad Trump right there. That's pretty good. Are you kidding? I could go out and get Deb, and she'll do it good, too. Come you know, I, I contacted a bunch of people. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Rob Magnotti. Rob Magnotti is a brilliant comic. He's terrific. But he's also a great impressionist. He does every member of the Sopranos cast, and you would think you're sitting in a room with Jimmy Gandolfini and Steve Van Zandt and the late, great Tony Sirico. He's that good. He's that good. John Travolta, all these guys. Because... I said, you know, I really wanted to get some, some of Rob Bartlett, even though the shtick he does is, is old, you know. I mean, and Hulk Hogan, Elvis Presley. I mean, you know, don't be afraid <laughs> to update some of your stuff, Rob. I mean, Jesus. But, um, but he's, he doesn't feel well, Rob. So I reached out to Magnati and this kid, Sean Farish, Farish, who's a genius. He's not good. He's a genius because uh, those types of things are always fun, you know. So thank you to us, Sean, for that. We uh, got a big show still to come your way, including Bill O'Reilly. He'll be here for his Thursday 840 segment. I think this guy's the head of the DEA here in New York. It's a big deal. Paul DiGiacomo, he's going to be here. And my friend Arthur from Ramsey Subaru. Ramsey Mazda, I should say. Ramsey Mazda does sponsor today's Back to Blue event here at WABC. So we love Arthur for that. All that is still to come, plus the Lou Dobbs business report and today's segment from Lydia. Lydia reports more to come, more of Bruce Springsteen, Badlands. is the 77 WABC Lou Dobbs Financial Report. I'm Lou Dobbs. Wall Street reacts to another rate hike. The Fed's inflation fight goes on and Starbucks banking on a new strategy. Those stories next. Lou Dobbs here. I want to tell you about the good folks at Lone Star Transfer. They're the industry leader in helping you get out of your timeshare. If you're stuck in one, you don't have to be. For well over a decade, Lone Star has successfully helped over 18,000 owners legally and permanently get out of their timeshare nightmare. Lone Star Transfer is simply the best in the business and with an A-plus rating at the Better Business Bureau and thousands of five star testimonials their clients want you to know they trust lone star they're a family-owned company that has earned a reputation for delivering first-class customer service they guarantee the release of all liability to your timeshare in writing and in a specific time frame with rising assessments and maintenance fees there's never been a better time to get out of your timeshare than now call today to receive a free no obligation consultation at 844-284-4739 that's 844-284-4739 4739 or online at LoneStarTransfer.com. This is the 77 WABC Lou Dobbs Financial Report.
A volatile session on Wall Street today after the latest Fed interest rate hike, a fourth consecutive 75 basis point hike. Stocks plunged after Fed Chairman Powell said it's premature to consider pausing interest rate hikes. Still, the Fed hinted at a slower pace as soon as next month. Starbucks reporting fourth quarter earnings after the closing bell, inflationary pressures, surging costs, and China's COVID lockdowns plaguing the coffee giant. Quarterly revenue forecast to have increased a modest 2%. As for the outlook, Starbucks has launched a strategic overhaul targeting between 10 and 12% annual sales growth over the next three years. Netflix's new $7 ad-supported plan launches today. Users can expect four to five minutes of ads per hour of programming. Netflix stock is up 15% after the company announced the new option. Please join me several times each weekday right here on 77 WABC. This is the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Keep listening for more to 77 WABC for the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. This is Lydia Reports on 77 WABC. Here's Lydia Serrani. This report is sponsored by Benjamin Steakhouse. So, Sid, remember yesterday we were talking about woke ideologies at schools and everything. So a friend of mine, she sent me what was was pretty alarming. Apparently at Somers High School, Somers, that's in Westchester County, Upper Westchester, right there, kind of on the border near Yorktown Heights. A parent found out that her 10th grade child was being taught a lesson from a book called Me and White Supremacy. Oh, God. <laughs> you, know, you can't make this up. You can't make this up. So parent, so thank God she alerted the school. The school superintendent took swift action, condemned the book, took it out because, my God, they're literally teaching white kids about them being white supremacists. So the school supposedly said they didn't know this teacher was doing this and she went rogue. But then I'm hearing it was on the summer reading list. But anyway, the school superintendent took it off the list condemn the teacher of the actions, not really sure what's going to happen to that teacher. But this is just a lesson for parents. Make sure you look at your kids' homework and ask them what they are learning every single day. No, absolutely. And I do do that. And, and of course, um, even a couple nights ago, I got kind of yelled at by Danielle because I brought up history. and I, I brought this up yesterday too, Lydia. But I said, hey, Gabby, what are you learning in history? And that we changed schools, you know. And he said the same thing. I'm learning about civil rights. I said, oh, come on. I get it. It's important. You should learn about the civil rights movement. But like I told you yesterday, what about World War One? What about World War Two, Vietnam, the Gulf War, all the wars that our country fought? I mean, I'm going to bet most of your, your classmates think that the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor and not, uh, not the Japanese. And, and he agreed with me. So, you know, we, I do check what my son is learning because, quite frankly, I don't trust, Lydia, the curriculum. I don't trust it. Don't trust the curriculum anywhere you are. I mean, Somers, uh, Yorktown, that's a pretty Republican right there when you're on Putnam, northern Westchester. That's a kind of mixed purple area. So this is not some woke area, but it can always happen. You have one of those teachers that tries to sneak some kind of woke ideology in. Now, speaking of people that are woke in Westchester County, Kathy Hochul, the I don't even like calling her the governor because she wasn't elected to that position. Remember, she was appointed by Governor Cuomo and Cuomo. We spoke to him again yesterday with John Katzmatidis. I kept trying to get his like 
visceral visceral reaction to Hochul saying, hey, you know, the GOP, they're master manipulators and crime isn't real. And it's just kind of like this conspiracy that they're trying to perpetuate crimes actually down. But he wouldn't actually go there. But he did say that he went out on the streets and interviewed people. And all they talked about was crime, crime, crime. And it actually there was an article in The Hill about it, too, about what Cuomo said, that the Democrats, they don't want to say that there's a crime problem because they don't want to rattle their radical base because then they get they'll get challenged at the well, primary it, it, but then it, they'll yeah. pay for it in the yeah, long term it, in the general yeah. like she is well it's great that cuomo said all that but let me remind you and everybody else that hokel took over for cuomo it was cuomo who had the cashless bail system put into place it was cuomo he's yeah. the reason why we have all these issues i mean hokel is no better i get that and she sh- she should get clobbered on tuesday but don't blame hokel and give cuomo any credit that he's the creature that no. made all this happen in the first place so it's very nice of him to go out there and you know, crime this crime that he's full of it he is the architect of why this city is falling apart he's- and, and, I, and I basically said that to John this morning. I don't want to upset John because he was on the show yesterday. But give me a break. What Andrew Cuomo says about Kathy Hochul or crime, he's the exactly, problem. Yes. He did no, it. Uh- he signed that cashless bail in 2019. He has to address it. Eventually, he has to address it. But you know what? I do think, and look at me, I'm, I'm defending Cuomo. Remember, I used to call, I called him Fachazi, which means like evil face, because I was so distraught over the cashless bail and the COVID stuff. But I even think even he would say that judges need to have discretion and to decide whether or not a person should stay behind bars. So this latest case really just highlights just how crazy cashless bail is. And I'm hoping this is the nail in cash. Kathy Hochul's coffin because she could have put an end to cashless bail, even though Cuomo signed the the legislation, probably didn't realize just how crazy and radical it was, which he should have. Obviously, he made a huge, huge mistake. Hochul could have stopped this madness, yet she's doubling down. At least he's not doubling down. So there was this woman, Kiera Bennyfield, right? 40 years old. She has three kids. She was pummeled to death. She was shot to death, excuse me, on October 5th. On October 4th, she was pummeled almost to death by her husband. The video, so vicious, I watched it. She put it on Facebook. The judge saw it. Everything, I mean, Sid. If you saw this video, yep. what this guy, this yep. huge black yep. guy did to his beautiful black white. I mean, I'm saying, I, I don't know why, because these are victims, right? You, we keep talking about cashless bail. And the majority of victims of cashless bail are people of color. So the judge, what did he do? He let him go. She was so afraid of him. She bought a bulletproof vest. He shot her. So what did Kathy Hochul say? Kathy Hochul said the, uh, the system absolutely failed her when she was in Westchester County at a rally yesterday, but didn't acknowledge cashless bail, didn't acknowledge anything else. Instead, she went to say, let, take a listen to this, that women could lose their right to vote along with black people. Take a listen. Bring your friends, bring your coworkers, and march there proudly in honor of all those who fought the long road towards civil rights and true justice for all. Because guess what? The Republican mega side of the aisle, I don't even know what aisle they're on anymore. They're not even on a team. I don't know where they're going. He's talking about They want to strip away your right to vote. No, we don't. And too many lives have been lost throughout our nation's history. She's a liar. She's a liar. Nobody wants to do that. And we will stand firm and say, no way. Shut up. No, no, no. Shut it off. Yeah, she's a liar. She's a liar. Look at that, because she won't address the real issue. So she wants to say, oh, they're trying to strip away your right to vote. And then they're cheering her. Like, it's such a lie. No one no one feels that way. And, you know, she also talks about Lee Zeldin making abortion 
action illegal. He has no intention of doing that. Look, it's very simple. The Post says it best as we wrap this up. Hochul says Buck doesn't stop here, blames Kira's murder on the system, dot, 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 that she runs. Yes, the system failed this young lady, and now this beautiful young lady is dead. And you, Kathy Hochul, you run the system. You make the rules that failed her. Once again, to quote my friend Bernard, blood is on your hands. Absolutely. And if you want to protect women, you want to protect children, you want to protect people in marginalized communities, you have to vote Republican. That's what you have to do. Again, this report is sponsored by Benjamin Steakhouse. Visit Benjamin Steakhouse and experience the best steaks, fresh seafood, the best service. Let me tell you, you'll have like 20 guys around you. You'll never have service like this you've ever experienced before. You'll feel like a royal. Visit Benjamin Steakhouse. Check them out there in Westchester and Midtown. Go to BenjaminSteakhouse.com. All right, excellent job, Lydia. She does a great job every day sitting alongside my man, John Katsimatidis, who was on about an hour and a half ago. Cats at night, 5 p.m. every weekday. You cannot miss that show. He's uh, kicking the crap out of Sean Hannity, mind you. He's on again Sunday mornings, too. But that show is great. You can follow Lydia on Twitter, at Lydia News, and on Instagram, at Lydia News 1. I want to rock! Bernie and Sid in the morning. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Electric Blue on this Back the Blue Day at 77 WABC. Again, special thanks to my friend, author, and Beth at Ramsey Mazda. He'll join me coming up at 925. But right now, 844, you know what it's time for. He was the best. He still is the best. He'll always be the best. Whether it's 9 p.m. weeknights right here on WABC or his own website, BillOReilly.com. Nobody does it like Bill. Great interviews, great stories. TV show is terrific. The Killing Series is doing great. Killing the Legends right now is uh, really doing tremendously well, in fact. And he just comes off that, uh, not long ago, that great tour with President Trump. Here he is, the great Bill O'Reilly. Bill, good morning. And I know that when we talk about Back to Blue, that is something that uh, you're very serious about, how we treat police officers in this country today. Sure. My grandfather was uh, NYPD. Um, he was in the Battle of uh, Meuse-Argonne in World War I wow. uh, with his Brooklyn battalion uh, that was 80% wiped out. Uh, he survived, never spoke a word about it. And he came back, um, joined up, um, served honorably. Uh, the New York City Police Department was uh, kind enough to give me his jacket. Wow. Uh, I have it on my wall in uh, my house. And so we have a long tradition of uh, understanding, that's the key word, what the job of law enforcement is. And we respect the job, although we understand that, in, like in every profession, <clears throat> some people let you down. Some people don't do the job they should do. They bring their own neurosis, psychosis with them to the job. 
and that has to be confronted. However, you know, most of these police officers uh, could make a lot more money doing other things, just like teachers. Um, but they uh, put their lives on the line, cliche, I'm sorry, but they do, uh, to protect their fellow citizens. So I don't understand any of this uh, we hate the police stuff. Uh, I'm going to just read you a, a quote. I don't know whether you uh, saw the Stacey Abrams thing. Yeah. Did you see this? Well, I'm not sure. I mean, I've read a bunch of stuff okay, about it. this is unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. So uh, she's in a debate, um, you know, she's running for governor of Georgia. And she's up there, um, and her opponent is saying that uh, the Georgia sheriffs have endorsed him. Right. Brian Kemp, he's going to kill her, by the way. Right. Here's Abrams' quote. Ready? As I pointed out before, I am not a member of the good old boys club. (laughs) So, no, I don't have 107 sheriffs who want to be able to take black people off the streets. Unquote. Enough of this, please. But can you even imagine someone running for governor (laughs) of a state accusing all the sheriffs of being racist? (laughs) But... It wasn't condemned on the national news. In fact, I also submit to you, Sid, that uh, most of the people listening to us right now never heard of that. That's right. That, that's why I do believe it. That's why none of these things to me are outrageous anymore, because you've got the media in large part running cover. I will say this, 7.25 every morning, I make it my business to get my bagel and a cup of coffee. That's when I eat, because I sit down and I listen to your morning message. And I'm telling you, it's great. It's great. Every bit as good as what you do here and nightly your own show. And yesterday you said something that really, really caught my attention. You know, Barack Obama is all over the country stomping, stomping. He was out in Nevada a couple days ago, Arizona yesterday. Biden, he's a complete mess. He's finished. We know that. But he tried it. He went to Florida. Nothing. I mean, nothing from the vice president, Kamala Harris. (laughs) I mean, Bill. She went to Boston. (laughs) Come on. There, we did an investigation because, you know, we're a fact-based uh, news broadcast at BillOReilly.com, which is where, where everything emanates from. Not one invitation was issued from any Democrat political candidate for the vice president's appearance. Not one. And it, I, after I reported it, then all of a sudden, Healy, running for governor up in Massachusetts, she'll win, invited her because it was so uh, embarrassing. <laughs> and embarrassing is just too mild a word. I mean, it is just amazing. But you know what's worse? And, and I, uh, it's my job to listen to Biden's speeches. I mean, I know no one else does. They're watching a World Series last night or doing whatever. I and mean, Biden gets up there, and it's, it's the Hail Mary pass. It's Trump again. Now, Trump is back. Okay, so if you vote for Republicans, any Republican, you're voting for Trump, the deniers, the big lie. And I'm going, the big lie. Okay, so the big lie is that Trump won the election, right? And, and yeah, that would be a big lie because you don't have any uh, facts to refute that. Um, I mean, to accept that. Um, so Trump didn't win the election in our history. Biden won. So if you run around and say, no, um, Trump won, that's not telling the literal truth. You can hold that opinion. Right. You can hold that opinion. Right. Okay. Um, 
But I'm going, big lie. Let's see. Uh, the border is secure. That's what Joe Biden said. Maybe that's a little lie. Maybe that doesn't rise uh, that's, to that's big. A, that's a big lie. The economy is strong as hell. Huge lie. Idiot. And then this week he goes out and says, the United States is one of the lowest inflation rates in the world, whereupon me, your hometown wise guy, puts up 18 countries that have lower inflation rates than us. So maybe if you add all three of those, that would be a big lie, all three of them. What I'm trying to tell you is that it gets to be so absurd that everybody is tuned out. They don't even listen. Biden's up there thinking that, yeah, I'm going to scare people in Nebraska who are going to vote Republican because they think a democracy is under uh, siege and we're going to lose our democracy <laughs> if we don't vote for Democrats. Yeah, yeah. Hey, we're going to lose our lives in New York State if Hochul wins again. <laughs> That's right. There's going to be right. thousands of dead people, more yep. dead people. Yep. You saw that horrible story upstate where – um, they let the guy out who beat up his wife, and then he, the next day he comes and guns her down in front of their three young children. You Killed saw that, right? It's on the cover of today's New York Post. Kathy Hochul, Hochul said the system doesn't work. The problem is, sweetheart, it's your system. Yeah, it's you. <laughs> right. It's you. <laughs> I mean, so finally she told the truth. She did. But I have to bring you back to what you were talking about, about the election. And you said the truth is Donald Trump lost. And you're right. He lost. Uh, yes, there's a lot Historically of... Historically speaking, right, he that lost. is right. the truth. But I have to tell you that I got two messages this week, and they both asked me to bring this up to you. That's what my, my friends do. They go, talk to Bill about this. My friend Jen Delandro went to vote in, um, in Queens, and she said, my fear is they'll keep counting votes until Kathy Hochul wins. My friend Harry Mays, sports talk show host in Philadelphia, just texted me and said, my fear is they'll keep counting votes until John Fetterman wins. So it, it's real. There are people out there that really believe that no matter what, the Republicans are going to get jobbed come Tuesday. Okay. And, and you are entitled to hold that belief. But there's nothing anyone can do about it because the individual states themselves are responsible for an honest vote count. Now, if there isn't an honest vote count, then... I don't know what to tell you because it has to be investigated methodically. I haven't said this to anybody, but I'm going to tell you and WABC audience. A few days after Trump lost, I had a long conversation with him, and he was just ranting and screaming, I didn't lose, I didn't lose, I didn't lose. Uh, this happened in Pennsylvania. This happened in Wisconsin. And I was respectfully listening to this as a journalist. And – after he got through, I said to him, you're still president. Why don't you get Barr in here, the attorney general, all right, appoint a master to look at what you are talking about in a methodical, official way. Good idea. And therefore, you're taking opinion out of it and hysteria, because it was absolute hysteria, still is, <laughs> right. okay? And you're putting it in, and Barr's an honest man. Barr wasn't going to throw the election one way or the other. He wasn't going to do it. Um, but Trump never did it. Instead, he had Rudy and, and the others running around, um, and nothing ever appeared. The 
Supreme Court Justice Alito was waiting for data in Pennsylvania, waiting for it, and it never arrived. And so when people have the opinion, well, this vote, that vote, okay, and I understand, particularly when you have a Mark Zuckerberg pumping $350 million into 20 counties, what the deuce was that all about? <laughs> that's right. No, that's right. What happened there? Yeah. Where did that $350 million go? And, and, you know, I can shred Biden on the election any day. I, you know, he'd never sit with me. But, I mean, you look at him and go, where did $350 million go? Don't, American people entitled to an explanation? Sure. But I don't think they should be subverting the democracy in a sense. I should, everybody should vote. You, yeah, you could be suspicious, sure. But you can't come to conclusions unless there's data. All right, that's fair. Well, the election is now just five days away. We will not speak again on this show until the election is over. Last couple of times you've been on, Bill, it sounds to me like you're leaning towards a possible Zeldin upset. Five days before, still feel that way? Yes, I think Zeldin could win. Um, Trafalgar is a very good poll, and they have him ahead. Um, the other polls have Hochul winning. It all depends on turnout in New York City. That's what it depends on. And here's an interesting tidbit for everybody. In Philadelphia, it looks like Oz is going to beat Fetterman. But one of the reasons he's going to beat Fetterman is because of the World Series. Really? Yeah. Because the final game is on Monday night. Oh. And that is going to distract from a lot of non-committed uh, voters. You know what I mean? Yes. yes. They're going to be, especially if it goes to seven. Right. And even if it doesn't, all weekend is World Series, Philadelphia, you know, the believe me when I tell you, in uh, Pennsylvania, the election's second to the World Series. So it's going to be harder to get Fetterman people out wow. to vote. That is a great point. Two races that have really intrigued me. We talk an awful lot about Fetterman and Oz in Pennsylvania and Walker and Warnock in Georgia. But, Bill, it looks like Kelly's in trouble. I never thought I'd say that in Arizona. And New Hampshire, New Hampshire seems like a, uh, a pretty tight race. Are you, are you surprised about those two states? Not New Hampshire. Um, Kelly, um, the libertarian guy, drops out. That hurt him. Still, he's popular there. But what, isn't it ironic? I'm, I'm sorry to use a big word like that with you. <laughs> um, isn't it ironic that just hours after Biden gives this speech last night about how Trump and the MAGAs did, caused the Pelosi thing? Okay? You know, this is such a uh, bunch of crap. Uh, I can't even believe it. Just hours, Dan uh, Don Baldock, the Republican candidate in New Hampshire, gets assaulted. Yep. Yep. So who did that? Did Trump do that? Was Trump up there? <laughs> well, he may have called him and said, uh, do yourself a favor and set this up, kind of like uh, the guy in Chicago, Smollett. <laughs> yeah. I, it's like, oh, my God, you know, but it doesn't matter anymore. They can say whatever they want to say because the media just is. Ah, blah, 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 you know? By the way, I, I will tell you that I played a Donald Trump cut, which some guy I've never heard of, Chris DeGaulle or something, where he said, quote, the Paul Pelosi attack was terrible, just like just like President Trump said right after George Floyd was murdered, that that was terrible, too. But you'll never hear that, of course. No, uh, and, and, and then you had Biden going up earlier this week going, not one Republican condemned the attack on Pelosi. Not true. Trump did. That's right. So did McConnell. So did Ted Cruz. 
So did 50 others. <laughs> Again, I had my staff. How many condemned? 50. <laughs> oh, so let's add that to the other little lies that we talked about earlier. Aye, aye, aye. He just says anything. Yeah, yeah. You know? I know. It's like having a, a, a five-year-old, and I know you've gone through it. I have, too. <laughs> and you go, okay, here. Right? That's it. It's the same thing. You're right. It really is. It's, it's, it's silly. Uh, tell me how the uh, the book is doing because last week it was um, doing very, very, very well. Are yeah, we still seven there? Seven weeks on the list. Um, we're pleased with that. Um, it's it's a it's a book that's building. Um, so it's when we opened it, there were two books ahead of us. They have faded. We remain on the uh, top ten list. And we're hoping we're going to have a good Christmas. So Killing the Legends, and this ties in right into the Nancy Pelosi assault, by the way, The Lethal Danger of Celebrity. It's right in there, right what I'm writing about. And it's getting worse in America. Um, so thank you for uh, mentioning it. Um, you know, we hope everybody will check out Killing the Legends. 80% excellent rating on Amazon for the wow, book. Wow, that is Highest huge. of any of the yep. 12 kill, killing books. And that says a lot. Hey, uh, you're always magnificent. Uh, really great again today. Thank you for another fantastic 15 minutes. And we'll do it again next week. And hopefully you and I congratulate Lee Zeldin together. How about that? All right, Sid. Stay strong. Thanks for having me. You too. You're the best, Bill. There he is. They don't come better. He really is the best. Bill O'Reilly, every Thursday, number one Nielsen-rated news talk. You can cast like O'Reilly. You know why? We got a big 9 o'clock hour coming up as well. I love our next guest. He's actually the head of the DEA, Paul DiGiacomo. He's going to stop by as we continue this big day at WABC to back the blue. Brought to you by my dear friend, author, and the folks at Ramsey Mazda. Fourth and final hour of the Thursday edition with me, Sid, is coming up right after this. Do it live! Hey, Bill O'Reilly here, and you are listening to Bernie and Sid. God help you. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Brought to you by my dear friend, Arthur, and Ramsey Mazda. Arthur will join me next. I get a text from my friend Mike Sullivan about an hour ago. And um, you guys know, of course, that last March or April, I forget which one, I flew out to Los Angeles with my beautiful wife, Danielle, and my son, Gaby. And I shot the movie Gemini Lounge. Danny A. wrote, starred, directed that film about a real-life bar in Brooklyn where the DeMeo family, Gambino's, murdered mobsters in the bar downstairs and then cut up their bodies in this apartment upstairs. I believe the movie's going to come out in December. It's going to be amazing. I played the part of Roy DeMeo's cousin, Dracula, Joe Guglielmo. But Sullivan texted me and said my next guest, Paul DiGiacomo, who was in charge of the New York City's Detective Endowment Association, lived right next door to the Gemini Lounge. Paul, can you confirm... And or deny that. 
Well, I live down the block from the Gemini Lounge, and I am very familiar with Roy and also uh, Dracula, who used to cut the bodies. Right. Uh, as a matter as a matter of fact, he used to sell hot dogs in front of the bar. And when I saw that he was wanted for eleven homicides, I was in the six zero precinct at the time, and I uh, I ran back to the bar to try to apprehend him, but he was already. Uh, you know, uh, kidnapped and, and gone from this earth. Yeah, it's funny. Again, I played that part, Paul, which is kind of funny. You knew the real guy, and of course you know me. But as far as mm-hmm. I know, they never found Dracula, right? He, they never found him. That, that's correct. They did not find him. Mm-hmm. The rest of the guys, they, uh, well, they suffered an, uh, an ugly ending like a lot of their victims did upstairs from that Gemini lounge. So welcome back, Paul, to Back to Blue here on WABC, brought to you by Ramsey Mazda. I kept saying DEA all morning, and folks thought maybe you're in charge of the Drug Enforcement Agency. But, of course, it's the Detectives Endowment Association. It's odd they would use DEA for both because you can't get confused. But what exactly does your job entail? Well, we're we're the Detectives Endowment Association, and we represent over 18,000 active and retired New York City police detectives. We're the union that represents detectives. Gotcha. Okay, well, let me ask you this, then. If you're the union that represents detectives, uh, uh, my buddy Pat Russo uh, was talking to me about this. Qualified immunity, that is something that I think anybody who's pro-police wants to see police officers have. You know, the criminals, for example, the bad guys, Paul, as folks know, they don't have any rules. They can do whatever they want. You guys have all kinds of rules. Don't choke them. Don't touch them. I mean, give me a break. And then, of course, if you do something to try to apprehend these guys, you are setting yourselves up for lawsuits, which is completely ridiculous. So tell me about qualified immunity and whether or not that is something that's going to happen. Well, let me just say this first. Uh, this, this is why we have to elect leaders that support the police in New York City and New York State. And the uh, New York City Detectives Union is uh, endorsing Lee Zeldin, Allison Esposito, Nicole Maliotakis. We need people that are going to work, that are going to march with the police, not against the police. So, uh, you know, these laws that they're enacting are just tying the hands of the police and causing the good law-abiding citizens of New York City to be victimized even more. I couldn't agree with you more, uh, especially the names you just talked about, but what about qualified immunity? What about that, that, that specifically? Well, that, that, you know, well, that law uh, puts, puts New York City police officers at risk. Uh, you know, they, they want to put information up on, uh, on the Internet about cops, where they live, their records, uh, so on and so forth. And all that does is, is uh, compromise the safety of New York City police officers and detectives. Um, and they continue to enact these laws, such as the bail reform law, that we told uh, the elected officials was not going to work three years ago, and it is not working, and people are dying and being victimized at at an alarming rate because of that law that was enacted. You know, Paul, I I, I knew Jimmy O'Neill just a little bit, not well. I met him on occasion. I kind of liked him, but I did not think he was a great commissioner. And the same thing with Dermot Shea. I kind of liked him, wasn't a great commissioner. And by the way, it was neither of their faults. It was because they were working for Bill de Blasio, the mayor, and de Blasio hated the police. That's the bottom line. Now you've got Shul. I kind of like her. But, you know, the more officers I talk to, the more I'm finding out, Paul, the truth is that amongst the officers every day, Mayor Eric Adams is not very popular. Not very popular at all. What are your thoughts on the structure right now, mayor, commissioner, and what your police department today looks like? Well, it's very difficult uh, to be a proactive police department 
when you have a, a city council of 51 and uh, 48 of that city council don't support the police and can, can continue to try and enact laws that tie the hands of the police. So no matter what the mayor does, no matter what the police commissioner does, as long as bail reform is in place and as long as you have a city council that we, we have, crime is not going to go down. That is a very good making, point. Yep. Yep. We are making the arrests. We're doing our job. We're making the arrests. It's certain DAs that are not prosecuting and the laws that are uh, letting these people out on a, you know, right after they're arrested, the bail reform laws. You hear this, Paul, all the time that, you know, cops now are going to do less and less because there is no qualified immunity. Uh, the truth is, is that no matter what they do, they're never really appreciated. They run the risk of getting killed every day. They arrest a guy, Paul, and like you're talking about, 15 minutes later, that same guy who does have a rap sheet and sometimes has real violent offenses on that rap sheet, he's out again in 15 minutes. So why would cops put their lives on the line every day if those are the laws in front of them? Absolutely. And the reason is judges do not have discretion and are not able to take into consideration uh, dangerousness and recidivism. We're the only state in the country that can't do that. It's ridiculous. Uh, Many of these politicians have to be voted out, starting with the governor and the lieutenant governor. So we got to get our people out to vote for Lee Zeldin, Allison Esposito, and get some common sense back into the state, into the city, into the city, and, uh, and untie the hands of the police. See, unfortunately, Paul, with people, it has to become personal. So I live on the Upper West Side. I'm out of there, thank God. I moved to a completely different community, which is completely Republican and pro-police. In fact, I live amongst uh, firefighters and cops and first responders. Those are all my neighbors, you know. But the Upper West Side, these people, they hate the police, and they don't vote for people who like the police. Does that not shock you that you have people living in a community? The, the first person they're going to call when the window breaks at 3 o'clock in the morning are the cops, yet they don't vote for people who are pro-police. How does that make any sense? It, it makes no sense. And, you know, we really have to start to educate uh, the people in the city and the state on exactly what New York City detectives do, what police do on a regular basis, and all the good that they do. Uh, you know, these professors in the colleges and some of these schools are brainwashing uh, these people at a very young age that the police are the enemy. And that's wrong. Uh, we're not the enemy. When we were kids, we were taught the police are the first people you go to for assistance in any situation. And uh, we've gotten away from that. And that's because of uh, the left, uh, you know, pushing the agenda, their agenda. Well, now you got to hope that Lee wins on Tuesday. And then, you know, even then, Paul, as you know, uh, with the legislators up in Albany and people like Stuart Cousins and Heasty, yeah. even then there's no guarantee that will restore the semblance of normalcy we're all looking for. But at least that's a good start, yes? We will be in much better shape in New York City and New York State if Lee Zeldin and Allison Esposito win this election, and I'm sure they will. I couldn't argue any of that. Well, listen, Paul, it's great to have you back on this Back to Blue. You've been on now the last couple of years with me, and I really appreciate that, Paul. So continued success. Once again, Paul is the um, the president of the New York City's Detective Endowment Association. He's a great cop, great American, great New Yorker, and a great guy. Paul, thank you so much for hopping on today. Thank you for your support. It's greatly appreciated. Of course. Thank you very much. Paul Giacomo, right here. And we still have more to do, Lewis. 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Well-represented Long Island in our press conference coming up later on today. Both commissioners, my friend from Nassau County, Pat Ryder, 
And from Suffolk County, Rodney Harrison, who I thought for a second there may turn out to be the next police commissioner. They, uh, they're both going to be here today amongst other very dignified police folks. It's a huge day here at 77 WABC. It's Back to Blue, brought to you by author and the fine folks at Ramsey Mazda. I, for one, am proud to host this show every year. No one loves the police more than me. I'm right there with John, Margot, and Ard was the same way. Back to Blue means a lot to Sid Rosenberg, and I'll come back right after this. Bernard McGurk. Unacceptable is throwing your beer can on the subway tracks. <laughs> Sid Rosenberg. I don't believe it's a three-man race. Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Streets. We're going to go to Ramsey, New Jersey, not far from where Bruce lives, in a couple of seconds. I just hung up with Tina Forte. So join us tomorrow. Tomorrow, a very, very big show. I'm going to bring Andrew Giuliani back in. I brought him here Monday. I'm also going to bring him in next Tuesday for Election Day. So Drew is going to co-host with me. And right now I've got Ron Duguay and Sarah Palin coming in together in the 9 o'clock hour. They'll be at the Ranger game later on tonight, her first Ranger game ever. And uh, also Tina Forte, Curtis Sliwa, Kellyanne Conway, and a host of others. That's all coming up tomorrow. But, of course, right now, I'm looking forward to this. It is our title sponsor for today's Back to Blue event. Very grateful to have my friend, Arthur Picciano, and his lovely wife, Beth, from uh, the famous Ramsey Mazda. We love that place. They're the owners and operators of Ramsey Mazda, Route 17 South in scenic Bergen County, New Jersey. They step it up for everything that we do here year after year. In fact, don't forget, it was Arthur and Beth that just sponsored our beautiful tribute day for my man Bernard 
that whole mass and all that great stuff. That was all Arthur and Beth. That's the kind of people they are. They work hard in their community. The Reed Foundation for Autism, a couple of summers ago, in fact, me, my beautiful wife, Danielle, and my children, uh, Gabriel and Ava, we went up to Ramsey, and uh, we took part in the Bike for Autism event. And with my son, of course, uh, diagnosed with dyspraxia, and Arthur's family dealing with autism. We've got a lot in common there. So he's our supporter today. He's the proud sponsor today of Back the Blue, but more importantly, he's been a friend of mine for many, many years, and that is Arthur at Ramsey Mazda. Arthur, good morning, buddy. How are you? Good morning, Sid. Nice. Sid, uh, I must tell you that yeah. uh, your intro uh you know, I look forward to these intros every day when I listen to you, and it's been on my bucket list. And uh, thank you. <laughs> uh, you're welcome, but it's all true. I mean, I've known you for I remember walking in, Audie, the first time, me and Bernie. We were on the way to the golf tournament for Imus. That's how long ago this was. And we stopped off at your place, and Josh Jacobson, your great GM, was there. And a couple of folks were buying cars, and they were like, oh, my God, you're Sid, you're Bernie. And you guys were so sweet. And then that summer, I came with my family to the autism event. And it was a great event, by the way. Great food and bounce houses and live music. And I knew right then and there that not only were you a great car dealership, but this is why I really love you, Artie. You are a man of the community. And I really appreciate people like that. And thank you for that, Sid. Um, you know, uh, I remember that time, uh, that first time very well also. And at this time, I'd like to say uh, how sorry we are about uh, Bernie. Uh, uh, it's a big loss. Um, it feels like uh, we lost a part of our lives. Uh, most mornings, uh, Beth and I are uh, listening to the show when we get up and we're getting ready to go to work or whatever we're doing that day. Um, and most of those mornings, Beth would say to me in the last few months, has uh, said anything about Bernie? How's he doing? And um, uh, that morning a few weeks ago, uh, you know, just hit us pretty hard, uh, as a matter of fact. And uh, through the morning, listening to the radio and you on the radio and guys like Bo Deedle, uh, uh it was emotional. And uh, uh, you know, I was uh, actually in the car sitting there driving and thinking to myself, why am I so emotional? Mm. Uh, and it's because uh, Bernie uh, uh, set a great example for us all. Um, and the courage, to me, uh, what stuck out was his courage, especially uh, in this last fight uh, that he fought, that most of us uh, will never understand uh, what it takes uh, to fight a fight like that, uh, and uh, just wanted to get that out there. Well, I'm glad you did. And don't forget, I'm coming to you live this morning, uh, Arthur, and the whole listening audience, from the Bernard McGurk studio. I'm looking at that plaque right now. That'll be here forever. So Bernie continues to live on in all of our hearts, and there's not a day that goes by where I don't mention Bernard. I mean, maybe once, maybe three times, maybe five, but mention him every day and and that's just the way it's going to be moving forward. So um, I, I agree with everything you said, and I feel the same exact way. And you have been very kind to me, Bernie, this show from day one. You did sponsor his beautiful mass last week. And you're sponsoring today, Arthur. And I know how important law enforcement is to you guys. And I'm dealing with that stuff in New Jersey every day. So tell us, above and beyond that, why exactly did you sponsor this very important day? 
Well, uh, we feel very strongly uh, about supporting the police. Uh, I, uh, you know, uh, the guy Bob this morning uh, from Goya, uh, he kind of like took the words. Look at my my man. Artie's been listening all day. I love it. I love it. That was two hours ago. (laughs) Yeah, I listen. I listen. Uh, You know, a lot of times I'm moving between store to store. I'm in my car or my truck. if I'm in, if I'm in my office, I have you playing in the background. Nice, thank um, you. Thank you. Yeah, it's a great show, and that's why we advertise on your show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that most of your listeners, uh, just like us, uh, can relate, uh, and that's what what counts. Uh, in any case, the uh, the police. I mean, common sense will tell you if you don't feel safe and your family's not safe. Uh, what else matters? Uh, to not back the police, to treat the police like we've been treating them in the past uh, few years here, makes absolutely no sense. Um, I mean, break it down in simplest terms. Uh, these people don't do it for the money. Uh, and and speaking of courage, uh, what courage it takes to do the job they do. Yeah. That is true. It is uh, It is a rough job. They never know they're coming home that night. I just don't understand how people can appreciate just for that alone, just the fact that on any given day they're going to kiss their wife and kids goodbye and not come back is just, it's it's extraordinary to me the courage these people oppose on a on a daily basis. It's unbelievable. What, Doc, give me the, the political scene out there. You're in New Jersey. You're in Ramsey. I used to live in Tenafly. You know, Artie, I loved it there. But um, Phil Murphy we obviously endorsed Jack Chitterelli when he ran against Phil Murphy for governor. I know a couple of other guys locally through Jack Manzo, a guy like Frank Pilata happened to like him, and a few others. I don't know all the names out there, but politically, what are the folks like in Jersey when it comes to supporting and or not supporting the police? Uh, generally, what I feel uh, in the surrounding towns uh, that uh, uh, butt up against our businesses and, and where we live, uh, generally, people are in support of the police. Good. Uh, regardless uh, of what your political uh, views are. Good. Um, you know, most people realize. I mean, we only we're only a 35 minute drive out of New York City, and I think most people by us realize uh, that crime is uh, not only limited to New York City. Uh, it's all over. It can happen at any time, at any place, for any reason. Um, you know, who's the first one you're going to call? Yeah. You know, yeah. who's going to stand up for you? Who's yeah. going to protect you? Whether you're whether you're you're ill uh, or a victim of a crime, uh, that's the police. They're there all the time, 24 hours a day, every day of the week, every month, every year. That's them. Why wouldn't you support them? Great point. And, and you, you make a good uh, point too about the. Doesn't matter where it is. I mean, we have neighborhoods here in New York, for example, in Brooklyn, uh, Howard Beach and Bay Ridge, Mill Basin, never worried about crime. And they're under uh, siege right now. And I know for a fact, because I have relatives and friends who live there, that where I lived in Tenafly, those beautiful Bergen County towns, whether it's uh, Englewood or Demarest or Alpine, they're also having break-ins and violent crimes and it just doesn't matter anymore, Arthur. It doesn't matter. You know, it's not just the bad neighborhoods anymore. Even in New Jersey, uh, the nicer neighborhoods have been hit as of late. That's exactly right. It's happening all around us. Uh, uh, most people don't realize this. 
certainly uh, the people you're listening to on TV don't realize no, it. And no. if they do, they're not telling you the truth. No, they're not. Uh, they're the worst. Hey, listen, on the way out, I did make mention that me, Danielle, Ava, and Gabe made our way up uh, one summer to your Bike for Autism event, the Weed Autism. And, uh, you know, of course, we held a radiothon just last week, me and Danielle, for our son, Gabriel. He's got this proxy, a very similar to autism, and, and as I've told you before, Arthur, they treat this proxia in countries like London and Ireland the way we treat autism here. And so we've had discussions with Autism Speaks and other groups to try to kind of gain, you know, uh, you know uh, gain forces and work together because so many kids have both or may have one not knowing and not the other. So tell us how your fight against autism is going on a daily basis. Uh, it's going great. Uh, I mean, you know what? Uh, it's a shame Beth and I had planned to be uh, in her office this morning on this call. Unfortunately, um, I had to come up uh, into the Catskills, uh, actually not too far from Naomi, uh, to do something. Really? Is that <laughs> so, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, we've got a beautiful place up here that we got a few years ago that we love to escape to. But, uh, you know, Beth is the one who is heavily involved uh, with the Reed Foundation. As a matter of fact, she's on the uh, board of directors. So if you ever want to That's speak great. to her yep. Uh, yep. Uh, about what you can do and so on and so forth. By the way, uh, Beth quietly donated to your cause. Uh, thank you. When, thank you. Yeah. So thank you. Uh, in any case, um, and, and also I'd like to mention before I get off here that uh, we have a scheduled event on November 10th uh, for the Reed Foundation for Autism. And that's at the Englewood Country Club in Riverdale, New Jersey. Oh, what a beautiful uh, place. Yep. It's at 7 p.m. Uh, and it's a fundraiser. And uh, just thought I'd mention that. In any case, um, you know, uh, we started with uh, Reed 20 years ago when my daughter was first uh, diagnosed with uh, autism. And she's uh, last year graduated college. Uh, so Great. the organization was a godsend to us. Mm. Uh, we got in on the ground floor when a group of parents uh, started uh, the school, and now it's uh, evolved into a big organization uh, called the Reed Foundation for Autism. And currently, uh, they are involved in building, acquiring properties and building group homes for people with autism uh, and also starting up businesses that people with autism can uh, work in. Wow, that is a tremendous, tremendous job, Arthur. I'm, 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 yeah. Now I'm definitely setting up a phone call between Beth and Danielle. That is unbelievable. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you very much. You're welcome. And, uh, congratulations to your daughter, too, on her graduating. Look, you're a super guy. Uh, I can't thank you enough. Bernie, love you, too. And we appreciate all you do at this station. With my friend Leslie Slender, by the way, thank you so much for your continued support. You're a good man. I'm proud to call you a friend, Arthur. Thank you very much. And thank you. Oh, we lost him at the end there. That uh, Arthur Picciotta and his friend and his uh, uh, wife, Beth. And, of course, uh, they are the owners of Ramsey Mazda, who continues, who continues to support and sponsor everything here in a big, big way. So thank you, Arthur. And uh, thank you, Beth. Bernard McGurk. Bernard has been a friend of mine for so long. And Sid, you too. Sid Rosenberg. Not good, great. Bernie and Sid in the morning. I love you guys. I listen to you every morning and walk around the house laughing my butt off. On the Red Apple Podcast Network.
Eugene Springsteen. Again, that interview with Stern was great. And when I sat down, listened to it for about two hours last night, and it went by in a second. If you love Bruce, and I love Bruce, I know his politics are wretched, but I love him. And that was a great interview. You know, he's not bad at that uh, interviewing thing, uh, Stern. He's not bad. So I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you liked it. A lot of Springsteen. Oh, yeah, listen, I, I worked with you guys all those years, you and Bernie and uh, the whole IMIS crew, but and um, and IMIS certainly doesn't have to apologize to anybody. He had an amazing career, five Marconis, and, you know, one of the all-time greats. He's a top-five guy, but, you know, he, he just, he, he never in the same league as Howard when it came to doing an interview. In fact, I, I didn't think IMIS was all that good at that. But in fact, I think I'm much better than Don was. I mean, Don had his moments when he had his favorites and he could be funny. But there were a lot of interviews that I sat and listened to right in front of him. I was sitting in the studio with him where he was unprepared. If Bernie didn't give him the questions, he had no idea what to say. And didn't, they were awkward. They weren't good. Didn't know the book. Didn't know the book. Didn't, didn't care. You, you, that was the other thing, too. Like, sometimes I'll do a, an interview. And quite frankly, I'm not thrilled with the guests. But... You will know that because I try to be as enthusiastic with that no-name gay, uh, no guy as I am with uh, Stephen Van Zandt or Phil Sims or Bill O'Reilly. And Don, would, he wouldn't care. And it was terrible. Stern, I got to tell you, man, every interview is, um, you know, is great. Now he gets great people, you know, big names, I should say. You may not think they're great people, but, you know, Bruce Springsteen. And who's the guy that's banging uh, Anthony Weiner's ex-wife, the actor, Bradley Cooper? Bradley Cooper, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't put it that way. I don't know. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> That's going to be Anthony's uh, second claim to fame after, of course, uh, the big one, which uh, put him in prison. He's had his ex-wife is banging Bradley Cooper, and uh, he's just kind of sitting there like a cuckold. Okay. Hey, who looks at resumes you know. anymore anyway? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> come on. All right. So you're going to come out to this press conference? I see them setting it up outside right now, the crew. It looks, uh, looks exciting. Well, yeah, I'm sure. I'll just uh, leave the board for a while yeah, and leave just it see what's going on. This is a well, how many shows do you do after our show? What, you do Brian Kilmeade? Yes. And then you do Kelly? No. I mean, Curtis, Curtis. Curtis. Right. Curtis is on tomorrow on our show. Yeah. He, um, well, he's looking forward to it. I, 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 I'm just warning you now. But, the whole show today, two hours, is about me. You wouldn't even know there's election or anything coming up because if God forbid I die tomorrow, I know he picks on Frank Morano too, but w- would he have any... Material, Curtis? Well, you it's not like you're not supplying him with material. <laughs> I know, That's I do it on what, purpose. Just as soon as he comes running in here, oh, he's got... Oh, I know, because yeah. it's crazy. Uh, let's, uh, let's go back, get uh, those three things that Sid <laughs> said. I want to hammer him on the atoms. I oh. want to do this. How's it going to be next Friday, November 11th, the day after... The big dinner with Sid and Mayor Eric Adams. How's, how's Curtis going to be that I'm day? I'm sure he'll be nice and mellow as per usual. <laughs> yeah. so, that's uh, nice uh, of you to do that. He'll be on tomorrow with me and uh, Giuliani. He loves Andrew. He loves Rudy. He's a big Giuliani guy. So he'll be on with us. And, and as I said earlier, Tina Forte and Kellyanne Conway. And a live in-studio visit from my friend Ron Duguay, the former Ranger great, and his girlfriend, Sarah Palin. If I get asked one more time... What is she doing in New York? She's got an election on Tuesday in Alaska. I don't know. But here's the good news. That's the first thing I can ask her tomorrow. Sarah, baby, why are you at a Nick game with Dukes, at a Ranger game with Dukes, when you're running on Tuesday in Alaska? I'll ask her tomorrow. But stop asking me. I don't know. What is she doing here? <laughs>
Okay, I won't ask you that now. Don't ask me, though. No. Did you already ask me that? I did not ask you. No, I didn't. Like get a ten chance. people, and they're no. all. It's a very good question. I'll just we'll find out tomorrow. I have to break one more time before we come back we, and say goodbye. We, yeah, we have to break it again. Right. Some point. Might as well do it do. now, I guess. Let me just thank Arthur again from uh, Ramsey Mazda and his lovely wife Beth. In fact, Arthur, if you're still listening, I want to set up a phone call between Beth and Danielle uh, today, maybe. Uh, not maybe, but yes, today. So. Uh, maybe you can text me, get my number from Leslie, and we'll uh, we'll set that thing up. Ramsey Mazda, back to blue here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Been a great show. We'll come back and wrap it up right after this. Bernie and Sid in the morning. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Matt Meany. Keep this song playing. I love this song. The do 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 the da da da. It's funny, uh, the fat kid cuts off the girl's bra with a pair of scissors. And um, Last American Virgin, one of the greatest movies ever. One of those Teen Angst movies in the 1980s. Meany with a very nice message just now. Thank you, our esteemed program director, Matt, uh, Matt Meany. Tuesday, election coverage, election central. Election Central, I should say. Rita Cosby and Dominic Carter with Noam Layden in the newsroom. We've got you covered coming up on Tuesday. And my friend Jim Nance, the voice of CBS Sports, huge guest. Also like Bernie very much. Nance will be on on Monday. Tomorrow again, I'm bringing back Andrew Giuliani to co-host. He was great on Monday. He'll be here Tuesday, too. And um, Ronnie Duguay and Sarah Palin coming in together in the 9 o'clock hour to pay a visit. They'll be at the Ranger game later on tonight, her first Ranger game. And also tomorrow, Tina Forte, uh, Curtis Sliwa, Kellyanne Conway, and there'll be more. I don't even know at this point. Everybody wants to come on this show. Can you blame them? All the guests were great today. I mean, really great. And the cast, spectacular Lou Rufino from downtown. Bang! Macedonia Phil, thank you. Justin Ellick, great job. Deb Valentine, Frankie Diaz, Matt Meany, and my guy Noam, too. Noam Layden, great to have him back. We'll all be back tomorrow morning, God willing, at 6 a.m. to do another great show. Got the big press conference coming up today here at WABC. You can watch it. They stream it live. And we have both uh, police commissioners, Pat Ryder out of Nassau, Rodney Harrison out of Suffolk. Rita Cosby is going to moderate it. It's going to be a huge day here. We're back again tomorrow morning. And until then, folks, from all of us to all of you, good night, Bernard. If you had an accident, trust Gabu Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabu Law has recovered millions for their clients, and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabu Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident.